Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. We've got many champions here at the breakfast table pouring into you this morning, starting with Stephen Kuhn, Joy Farley, Amanda Dahl, Trevor Houston, and many more. So let's pull up a seat and let's join in on Breakfast with Champions. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Well, if you can imagine, that all hinges on a few small details. And if you if you act on these details, it will change your life. So it all starts with a nickname I received years ago when I was running a large multinational company. I had developed a training model which focused on operating from a core basis of honesty, integrity, and transparency, which is what I called HIT. HIT training had a profound impact. As soon as you know, sooner or later, I was being called the HIT man which was flattering, but very much underplayed the depth of the results produced when operating according to HIT. So with your permission, I wanna take you through the five models by which I live and lead. These models have allowed me to, to take an incredible journey in business and in life. All of our training in our programs is based on personally tried and tested models in over 10, country, 10 countries, dozens of organizations, whether private, public, or gov governmental. There is no theory in what I'm about to tell you at all. It's my life. But before I even get into HIT and why it's important, let's talk about the one thing that every single one of us either struggles with or has struggled with in the past, imposter syndrome. This is the idea that you're a fraud and that somehow everyone's gonna find out you don't belong in the position you hold. You feel like everyone else has it all figured out and it's a matter of minutes before it all falls apart. Ever struggled with that? I know I have. It's a, good, it's a good question to ask yourself. Anyone who steps into starting, leading, or turning around a business can be in this phase. And the reason you feel like you're a fraud, the reason you're terrified is amazing because it's actually you attempting to be better than who you were in the moment before. You are forcing growth. Such steps can drive you and your organization to greater heights and personal greatness, which may seem far outside Happened to everybody lose Steven? We lost we did. Someone put him to the audience. What? Wow. Every it happens. We never, yeah, as never accident. In here. It's probably yeah. just a genuine mistake, someone clicking on well, the somebody, wrong thing. <laughs> he might just be reading off to him. There he goes. There we go. Yeah, I was booted for some reason. I was booted. Am I, am I that boring? Somebody must have been trying to follow you or something and not knock you down. Yeah. Cheers. All right. So, um, just just to get just to get squared away, people come to me seeking counsel because we have developed a framework to turn that fear into momentum. There's somebody on the hot mic here. Something quick, quick to listen. Okay. Yeah, that good was to go. me. That was me. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> All right, so people come to me uh, seeking counsel because we, we've developed a framework to turn that fear into momentum, the fear of imposter syndrome, to harness the power of your so-called negative emotions and turn them into impact and profit. Understanding this is the key to managing the team members when you assume leadership or wish to break through a plateau or take a new position in a company. So let's go back to HIT for a second. HIT stands for Honesty, Integrity, and Transparency. You've heard me speak about it before.
byproduct of that is, of course, integrity. That's how you're going to turn everyone that you ever talk to about your business or your life into a force multiplier for you and your organization. So why does HIT actually work so well with fraud? Well, HIT ensures that you're clear with yourself first. You can stand there naked and no one has anything on you. Because you're self-assured and certain, this is, a diff this is much different than pride. Pride actually invites, uh, pride is, is actually a defense mechanism, mechanism which invites attacks, which is why prideful people are often in conflict. When you are self-confident, certain, and aligned with your true identity, your results, your behavior, and your presence speak for itself. There's no need to justify or defend it. We were in a back chat a couple of days ago, and I said that, no need to justify or defend it. And everybody was like, yes. Well, that's an operating principle that we have. When you put yourself out there, you got to be clean. When you want to be big time, it has to be big time from the inside out, based on the view and personal feelings that you have about yourself, because you can only love, embrace, and accept. You can only love, you can only be loved, embraced, and accept, accepted to the degree that you are that to yourself. So if you don't love yourself, no one else can love you wholly and fully. So what are the results of HIT? Let me, let, well, let me tell you a story about how I ended up working for Andrea Bocelli with zero experience, no industry contacts on a retainer when no one in the music industry ever gets a retainer. For anyone who's listening who doesn't know Andrea Bocelli, he's the number one opera singer in the world. He's our, he's our generation's Pavarotti. It was the most profitable haircut I ever got. I was in a barbershop in Dusseldorf, Germany, run by an Italian friend of mine. A couple who had just happened to be the guitarists for Andrea Bocelli showed up as I was getting my haircut. We got to talking and I managed to score a meeting with Andrea and his wife a few weeks later in their hotel in London, just because I wanted to. At that time, I had no thought or idea as to what I would discuss, but I was certain in solving any problem they would have. It was my driving force because everyone has problems in their business. So when I showed up, Andrea wasn't even there, only his wife, Veronica, who's his manager and happens to be a real tiger like no other. Uh, she's an incredibly powerfully, powerful and focused woman, probably one of the most powerful women I've ever met. Now, maybe someone else would have gone in thinking, oh, man, he stood me up. But I was there to do one thing, to land Andrea as my client. That was my intention. And to grow his business outside of his current framework. And I could only do that when I knew how to solve their specific problems. And to do that, I had to listen intently and hear what exactly they meant. Right? I call this creating space. I'm going to get into that in a minute, but just remember those words, creating space. Most of you have an, an idea what that is. So here's how the conversation went. I, I had done my homework, so I was able to quickly point out the gaps in their business model and show them how I could grow their business in a matter of weeks. At first, she was shocked that I even had this information, but in the end, it was clear that she had opened up to the fact that I was there to listen and to solve problems because I had no other intention than to do just that. I told her I wanted 20% of the takings from the business that I brought in, plus a retainer. And she actually laughed in my face and said, no one in, in this industry gets a retainer. Lo and behold, 20 minutes later, I walked out, out of there with a retainer agreement that I had kept for two years, plus 20%. Within two weeks, I was in the first meetings in London with the CEO of the top record labels. That's what I'm actually known for, landing the impossible deal and finding impossible solutions. I did the same thing with Olivia Newton-John and Mick Jagger. Let me describe the path to such interactions and results, because that's what's key. You want to get there, right? And you want to be able to stand there fully certain of your ability to solve problems, fully certain of your ability to handle the situation. 
So when I look at my life, I consider it a life enterprise. And just like a CEO of a business enterprise, I'm responsible to the stakeholders and the board of directors in my life enterprise. My family is a board of directors, and of course, everyone I meet is a stakeholder. How do you treat, how does a CEO treat or react to or, or speak with the board of directors and the stakeholders? They have to ensure that the company is healthy and profitable. Well, that's our job as CEOs of our own life enterprise. The method is to always leave those that you interact with in a better place than when you met them. Every interaction, the postman, a random person on the street, your wife or your husband or business partners and clients. This elevates all those around you, making them wanna work with you, be around you or spend more time with you. Yet this is only the byproduct. It's not the reason for the actions you're taking. You have to care, really care about one thing that impacts their world, and that is the value that you give, creating what we call radiant value in the lives of all those that you touch, regardless if it's professionally or personally. It's important to, to, to me personally because true change, true impact starts with you and your immediate world. Make a big enough impact and that radiant value will spread impactful value far and wide. This creates a basis for a solid reputation. It's like the, the pebble in the pond effect. Then because you operate according to HIT, it forces uh, you to either verbalize an expectation or not to have an expectation at all. And this is incredibly powerful for all relationships. And it's as powerful as the integrity aspect because they go hand in hand. You see, if I expect something from you and you don't verbalize it, and, and I don't verbalize it, you're gonna feel it and you're gonna resist subconsciously. And resistance will make you feel something's off, like something's going on here. Why is this, why are we not jiving? Why, where's the vibe? Vibration, frequency. Every single healthy relationship on the planet is based on one thing and that's integrity. If I expect something, I'm predetermining the outcome of which I actually have no real control over anyway. I only have control over the intention. So it's key to focus on that intention. The next action is to, to, is to create space. And that's what I was just talking about. Now this is an incredible tool and it's really, really powerful. This is how I've worked on 50 million, 100 million, $200 million deals, as well as working as an advisor in the highest levels of government in the USA and in Europe. And I believe me, I'm just an, a veteran living in Europe. I was a Sergeant in the army. I wasn't an officer, a pilot or anything special, but yet I'm, I'm talking to world leaders, rock stars, superstars, and, and all these other people, which is great for me because I can get my word out there. And that's what it's all about. The, the, the direct line of impact that I have in my world. Creating space is a conscious focus on the only part of the conversation that you control. And that's the intention. That's it. You have no cookie cutter solutions, no preconceived notions, and please, no pitches. You're only there to add value by solving their problem. And this means being there wholly and fully for them and not for you or for your agenda. Do this consciously before each meeting and you will be inspired by the powerful results. I promise you this. This also goes for personal relationships. You know, as a, as a private story here, I had uh, massive issues with my wife about two months ago. And I had to take off my relationship hat and put on my hit hat, right? And I had to create space with my wife to allow her to feel comfortable in coming out. Because what happens when you create space is there's a neutral space around you. I have no expectations of her. I have no wants of her. I'm not getting mad. I'm not forcing back nothing. I'm listening. And that's it. Unequivocal listening. And she came out of her shell for the first time in 12 years since we met. And our relationship is so amazing now. We're like teenagers again. 
Once connected with someone through creating space, we begin investing in what I call relational capital, which has a guaranteed return, unlike investing in financial capital where there's actually no return guarantee. Isn't that a great thing? What this really means is that after you meet them as a hit person and you create space, you then deepen the relationship by adding more value, elevating them, and ensuring the interactions you have are meaningful and solve their problems. This can take the form of one-on-ones with your team, collaborations, joint ventures, just to name a few examples, or like I, I did with my wife, a one-on-one just in that relationship. That's, that's investing, right? So all of the above, hit, life enterprise, creating space, relational capital, they all lead to one thing that every single person on the planet seeks. And if Joy's listening, I know, I know you know what I'm about to say. And that one thing that everyone seeks on this planet and this, this is the one thing that brings us together. This is the one thing that we, everyone on this planet can agree. Everyone seeks quality of life. This actually means something different to everyone. But in the end, the general definition is to have discretionary time to do those things that you really enjoy, enjoying the moment no matter what you are doing. So let's shift to leaders for a second. Many leaders take their power through a position or a title. And you've heard it before, I'm sure, right? You know who I am? I'm the CEO of XYZ. But funnily enough, this is actually not who they are, but more what they do, right? A short litmus test we use in our Humble Alpha Paradigm Upgrade Advisory Program is to ask leaders if their partner were a fly on the wall in the office, would they recognize them? And if an employee was a fly on the wall in their living room with their family, would they recognize them? More than not, leaders are different people since the responsibility is seen as providing and leading, they forget the home life requires exactly the same. So in our book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, we discuss full integration of all aspects of life, personal and professional, being that same individual, regardless of your current location, job or title. This is where true and all encompassing presence comes from. This is what speaks volumes non-verbally. We have all experienced those leaders who walk into a room and you can feel their presence. That's integration right there. The most impressive fact about these five models is that they are universally applicable because it's based on the leader and not an external business model. I've been brought on by clients who need someone like me to land high stake deals or to close multi-million dollar agreements or expanding current businesses and holdings or whatever, structure an exit or you know all these different kinds of things, buy new companies. The method is the same and the impact is always a win-win. It doesn't matter what business, it doesn't matter what country, it doesn't matter anything. Why? Because it's based on me. It's based on you. Organizational leaders work with us through our, our online programs. And we teach them how to achieve integration in business and in life with their teams and their families, leading them towards becoming what we call, of course, most of you know, a humble alpha, which is also why we wrote the book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha. So simply put, when you implement these simple models in your life, it creates results seldom seen and things get done within your team with less conflict more creativity and productivity, and that goes for your family as well. So how does this relate to actually being a leader? Well, your, your authenticity dictates your market value, doesn't it? And you can't be authentic without knowing who you are and embracing who you are. If you want people to take you seriously, and if you're a leader and you want to be a leader, you cannot afford not to embrace these models. True presence is based on your identity, and it will broadcast your truth loud and clear with no words. And it's also how you're gonna turn everyone that you ever talk to about your business, whether they buy from you or not, 
into a long lineage of valuable and productive contacts who seek you out for solutions. I live by this. I make most of my money just bringing people together. If your business involves humans in any way, whether you sell to them or not, whether they're on your team or not, then it will work wonders for you. Brutal honesty with yourself is key. Real realizing it is very difficult to be honest with yourself, especially when you have external motivators. You end up always dancing to someone else's expectations, so you can't be honest with yourself unless you take a deep look at your true identity and purpose, which is crystallized once you find out who you really are. So until you uncover your true identity, which you can do in the first chapter in a book, your purpose will seldom be aligned with who you really are and with what it is that you do, like driving the vision of the company, team leadership, and honing that vision together makes it next to impossible to have total life presence with self-esteem integrated throughout your life enterprise. Keeping that one thing that everyone seeks just an arm length away, and that's, of course, quality of life. That's my short session for today. Thank you very much uh, for the time, and I'd love to take a few questions if you have any. Go for it, Tamara. I just really wanted to say, just like you, quality of life. As you were saying that, I'm like, this is awesome. I always get to hear you speak in book club on Friday, but I love just hit and radiant value. I think radiant value has so much more meaning than even um, we, you've shared obviously this morning in such a snippet, but understanding your radiant value is really what unlocks the power within us. And I'm talking offline right now with Dr. Sean and that's exactly what he's like. You're such a powerhouse. I'm like, it's not really, it's the God within me. It's the ability to tap into it. And ultimately, like you always say, just saying yes. Um, so I love it. And I'm going to go live out quality of life. I love it. Anyone else out there? Flash your mics. Or just speak up, if you will. Hey, this is uh, GI. Hello, uh, Michelle Gardner and GI. Nice to meet you. Thank you for your service. I am uh, in awe and just thank, I mean, that was like a whole PhD in a few minutes uh, on leadership and, and networking. Um, my question is um, I, I struggle with finding people and places where I'm not the smartest in the room. And, and that is part of the reason I, I love uh, this, you know, breakfast with, uh, with champions. But, you know, I, I always seek and try to uh, get, go into other areas, but I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so I'd, I'd love to hear any, um, and I'm a giver, you know, and, and I give, give, give to people, but, people I rarely am in places where I am fed that's probably the best way to put it I love it where I'm fed yeah well that, that's what it's about isn't it? it's about feeding that 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 hunger for more for growth uh, for knowledge and yeah you know <clears throat> we attract who we are right so if we believe that's who we are then that's that's who we're going to attract and uh, understanding that we have to we have to vision envision and and visualize our future of what we want and once we have it visualized inside of ourselves and we can taste it, eat it, smell it, whatever you want to do. You really, really make a clear picture of it. And when you do that, you're going to start attracting those people. That's that's the esoteric way to do it. <laughs> the, the practical way to do it uh, alongside of that or in unison 
would be to seek groups out that you know are so far above your head. Like me, I, you know, I, I, I seek out the parliament in Germany and say, look, I'm going to speak to one of you guys and, and whatever. And I did. And I ended up talking all the way to the top. Now, I wouldn't have known that if I wouldn't have tried. So um, I, I'm, I'm taking it you're a veteran or you're active yes. duty. Yeah, yes, okay, I'm, great. I'm a veteran. I'm, I'm retired uh, Air Force. Uh -huh. Oh, all right. Thank you. Um, and so, so especially there, when you know you were a leader, you were in, you retired, you did. So it's hard to look out there and say, okay, who can, who's above my my frequency? Because that's what it's about. It really isn't about ability. It's about frequency. You know, someone can be smart, smarter than you in a certain area, but their frequency is low. You don't want anything to do with them, no matter how successful they are. That's really going to hurt you. It's going to keep you down. Because it's all about the vibrations and, and, and the frequencies that you have that you have around you. And I'm not talking, you know, kumbaya here. I'm talking for real. You feel it. That's what vibe. That's where the word vibe comes from. Man, his, right. her vibes messed up. His vibes messed up. So you look at those people with high energy, uh, sorry, high frequency and high, high, high vibrations. And you can find them almost anywhere, Michelle. If you go out and you say, man, where, what, what am I striving to do? What, where do I want to end up? And when you see that and you know where you want to go, look for somebody who's already there. Hey champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. And just go talk to them. Tell them your story and say you want to learn. And I promise you, I promise you they will help you. Most often, those who are way at the top never get asked for help. And when you're you're sincere and honest and certain of what it is that you can learn from them, they I mean, I've had people say, Stephen, I would be honored to be your mentor. I was like, wow, I never even expected it because they didn't know who I was from Jack until a, a five minute conversation. So strive, know that you're, you're you can always get better. Know that you have it in you to actually drive to the top to where you want to be that top. You actually never reach the top, but you're always rising. That's what matters. Thank you so much. You know, I, I operate in, in circles, like at the four star level. Right. But many times they, they're looking to get from me, you know, they, they want me to either be an action officer because I'm a connector, you know, mm. I know how to get things done, but I'm like, feed me, don't just use me. Right. <laughs> so, well, it's, well, again, know? that's, that's within your, that's within your realm. So military is military is military. Right. I mean, I, I actually consult two star generals and exactly right. They're looking for, for all the time for that's why I consult them or advise them. But or, and a one star general. But that, that's because that's in the same that's in the same vertical that you're in. Jump vertical. Yeah. Get out yeah. of the vertical. Get out yeah. of the vertical. Yeah. And, and, and go big. Michelle, go big. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I, <laughs> hey, I, you can, you I, can reach out. You can reach out if you want. We'll chat. Thank you. I would love that. Thank Great. you so much. Great. All right, we've got time for like one more. Anyone out there? I've got a question. Good morning. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Is that Erica? Yeah, it was Erica. Hey, how's it going? What's up, yo? Hi. <laughs> good, to, good to hear your Good to connect with you. I hear your voice. Now it's so yes. good to be with you um, <laughs> and everyone else at this table. <laughs> so I just wanted to know if you could shed a little bit more light on what you do to visualize um, and how, because. I, the last person who just spoke really resonated with me and I'm a huge giver and sometimes I feel people know that and I know it's probably my identity and that I'm not receiving financially in the way that I could and it's probably because I'm not asking for it. So if there was a way that you could maybe shed some light on what your 
and I don't want to, it's not because I'm selfish. It's because, you know, <laughs> we all make a living. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I get it. You got to make a living. You got to pay the bills, right. To bring you, bring home the bacon. I and get I'm it. Like attracting, you know, people who are dealing with domestic violence relationships or suffering in some capacity. But I'm like, Hey, BS, I sell real estate. Like, oh, I'm, by the way. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you well, could, I get whatever it. you could do. Well, look, this is, this is a, this is a hard line. So there's a lot of people on the front end that push. They sell, they have a sales structure, it's all external, and they, they go through the structures, and that, and that works to a certain degree. But true wealth, that's, that's making money and that's earning a living. True wealth comes from winning, right? So when you have true wealth, that means that you're attracting the people that you want to have in your life by being that person, right? And giving is great, but if you're giving from an empty cup, it's really painful, right? So you want to have your cup so full that it's cascading over, spilling into the cups of those that you've chosen to be in your life around you. Right, so you're you have that. I like to say the the champagne pyramid of champagne glasses. You're the top glass. You could actually be any glass, but you're the top glass. And as as your glass fills, it fills all those in your life enterprise around you. So how do you do that? Right, you have to attract the people you want. That means visualizing what it is you really want. And visualizing starts with writing it down. Write it down as detail. I'm talking. What kind of house you're going to live in 30 years from now? Make a hundred goals for the next 30 years. And then plot your path in there, visualize it, see it, taste it, smell it, snort it, whatever you got to do, right? And then you let it go. That's the hard part. You let it go and say, okay, now I'm certain that's where I'm going. It's time to drive forward. And you internalize that entire picture and the forward path that you're going to have. And you take imperfect action, creating as you go, aware of what's around you. Because as I always say, every person around you is a possible door to a new, whole new reality. Ooh. I'm an actually award-winning door knocker. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. And I was, I'm actually right, taking notes as I was walking outside. Every person around you, could you say that one more time? Every person around you is is a, is a door to a potential whole new reality. Around you. Wow. And I, thank you for that. And I I can definitely see how, my my glass is not full at times because I'm really worried about the people. Like, there's a lot of people dealing with domestic violence, and I'm yes. like, oh my god, we gotta help them all. No, no, you no, can no, help no. them. You can help them best when when you're in, in a when you have a full cup. When you're when your basis and your foundation is stable, it's when you can help them best. Otherwise, you might be helping them uh, helping them a little bit. It's sort of like um, someone who uh, doesn't have a, a job or doesn't have money. Um, you give them food for free every day. Why, what's their, what's their, um, what's their motivation to go out and get a job if you give them food every day? You know what I mean? So it's sort of that kind of endless cycle. You gotta be very careful about that. Of course, I'm not saying cut them off, but yeah, you wanna yeah. give them tools. You wanna give them tools to work with and not just console them, right? Yeah, and is there anyone by chance, and you could, I could message you offline uh, about anyone you think that I should be in touch with that has, that could make an impact on this community that maybe wants to give in a specific way. And I'm not even talking about monetarily. I'm talking about like, yeah. there's a whole new life out there. Yeah. Um, if well, there's just a... PM me or DM me or whatever you call it. I am PM, DM, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll figure something out. All right. Thank you very yes, much. Best. Appreciate you and keep doing okay. what you're doing. You're amazing. Thank you so much. There was one more person. We get it real quick. Is that possible? This is Rocky. Rocky. Yes. Steven. Um, hey, Rocky. Hi, yes. I had I, the question that I had is um I didn't I never thought I had imposter syndrome I was born that said it doesn't exist until um I only have imposter syndrome when being around others that I feel are more elevated than I am if that makes mm -hmm. sense and um especially on clubhouse so how do you in that moment 
because I've been invited to some places that I've rejected and say, no, I don't want to just because of the people that were would have been on stage with me. So in that moment, and I have the steps that you said, but in that moment, what are some things you can do to kind of like, I guess, reassure yourself or connect well, back, in, back to you? In, in, in the very moment, you just got to power through. But if you want to have a foundation of what, what, what you can operate in any situation in front of anybody, I mean, I, 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 I walked up to Bill Clinton, George Bush. Kofi Annan, you know, you name it, and just hey, how's it going? Are you enjoying Berlin? Are you enjoying Geneva? Wherever I was, we had a half an hour conversation, and that's because they have no effect on who I am on the inside. You understand? As long as you're solid with who you are on the inside, knowing your identity and your purpose, you have certainty in life to step into any situation and dominate without saying a word. Rocky, you got this. Seriously, it's all about you inside. If you don't have that belief and that certainty of yourself, of who you are, your identity, and your purpose then other people will feel that and you're going to feel that vibe back from them. Like, oh, I'm over them. I'm, I'm above them. My frequency is higher. Forget it. It's all within. Don't worry about the outside. The outside cannot dictate your, your reality when you on the inside are aligned and you have that certainty. Get it. Get it. Thank you. Yes, indeed. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. If you want to go um, check out the book, you can even take the college course, which was made out of the book. It's a college certificate program. You get the first uh, part of the course for free on humblealphabook.com. You can download a free excerpt of the book. You can look at pictures or whatever you want to look at on there. And uh, I'd really enjoy if anyone has any questions, just reach out to me on, on Instagram. And thank you very much, everyone. Passing it back to Mr. Glenn, Glenn Lundy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stephen. Stop. Great job. Yeah, how about some Thanks, light flashes Steven. for my man Stephen Curran? Are you Wonderful. kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Always bringing the heat. It's amazing. Amazing what happens in this room. Brother, that is incredible, man. Incredible masterclass. I appreciate you so much. We are rocking and rolling here this morning on Breakfast with Champions. We're just getting started, folks. We are just getting started. We are here Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're also here on Saturdays from 6 to noon. And we're here on Sundays with our fabulous Club 111, which is our Sunday service, full-on worship service and sermon and prayer. If that's your jam, make sure you join us for that. Amazing. It's absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, do me a huge favor. If you would, we are getting warmed up. So if you could hit that plus sign in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, go ahead and invite some of your friends, people you like, people you don't like, family members. I believe with all of my heart, if we can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. And I think many of you have experienced that. And so spread that experience, man. Hit the plus sign, grab three people, five people, nine people, 12 people, whatever it is, invite them into the room. You just might be a catalyst for change in their life by simply hitting that plus button. Now, one of the things Stephen said is all of the people around you could potentially be a doorway to a whole new experience in your life. And I believe that's definitely true in a room like this, where we all come from different backgrounds, different perspectives, different belief systems, but ultimately we share the same heart. And so look at the person sitting to your left, sitting to your right, sitting in front of you, sitting behind you, sitting on the corners, connect with those people, touch their faces, hit that plus sign, make sure you connect with them. You never know, you might be able to serve them or they might be able to serve you. Now, I did get some messages about the clubbies. So the clubbies is like the Emmys or the Grammys or the Oscars, but for Clubhouse. And Breakfast with Champions, all these incredible moderators, this room, uh, we've been nominated for many, many, many categories across the clubbies. I'm blown away this morning. And so the voting has started. 
and I've been told that you cannot copy and paste the link out of my profile. So I went ahead and added the link to my Instagram profile. All you have to do is click on my face up here in the top left corner. If you uh, PTR, click on my face in the top left corner, go to my Instagram, and you'll see the link right there at the top. If you would like to vote for your favorite rooms, your favorite people, etc., 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 and I would appreciate you letting your voice be heard. Uh, with that said, I'm going to be passing the mic over to my friends Joy and Liza that are going to keep us rocking and rolling this morning. Two of my favorite humans on the planet, Miss Joy, Miss Liza. The mic is yours. Thank you, Glenn. We are so happy to be here as always uh, from 7 to 8 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I absolutely have loved connecting with Joy over the last several months since we've been able to do this hour together. It has one, been one of the highlights of my life, Joy. And I can't thank you Same enough. Same here. And I think Glenn says that to everybody. Everybody's his favorite yeah. human. So, you <laughs> know, we all feel special. Feel so good. <laughs> Good morning. Um, well, a couple of things, Joy, that I first wanted to uh, take a moment to thank Stephen Kuhn. Stephen, I know that you often have a hard stop. I think you're still on here this morning, um, but I want to let you know that while it took me longer than I anticipated, I just finished The Humble Alpha uh, night before last, and it took me longer because I was trying to go back and do the workbook uh, and make sure I was getting my action items done. But um, anybody who's listening on Breakfast with Champions, if you have not read The Humble Alpha, you obviously got some great nuggets of wisdom and snippets from Stephen this morning and on his segments, um, but it will serve you by going and reading that book. And Stephen, is there is it possible I could ask you one quick question before we dive into our segment? Of course, morning? of course, of course. Um, so I, as I was reading, um, obviously when you first started writing this book and your team, it was very focused on men. And now there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of women also reading your book. Is there any... Um, or I guess ideas that you would share that as a woman reads your book that might be different than the original intent when you were writing it for men? What a great question. Actually, no, there, there is no difference. It's, it's a universal application that works for every, anyone from children uh, to, um, you know, all the way up to seniors and uh, men, women, uh, whoever, because it's an internal, it's an internal aspect. It isn't a, it isn't a how-to book. It's a what-to book, what to do in your life and inside of you to unleash that what's what's truly inside of you, your true identity and purpose. So it works for everyone. And if you want to know the truth, Liza, um, I marketed it to men because I knew that if I did that, the women would be like, well, what about us? And it actually works because about 60% of, of our readers are women. So <laughs> we want to make sure we're never left out, Stephen. So if someone's no, it's great. out, we are jumping in with both feet. <laughs> Well, it's great because, uh, honestly, the women give the better feedback. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> and well, Liza, this look... is Renita. I'll just say yeah. I had the same comments. I'm reading Humble Alpha now, and I was like, why is this all men, Stephen? I had the same comment. <laughs> well, we, well, we have six We have six more books coming out, so stand by. We can't wait, Stephen, and thank you so much for the great uh, last half hour. I always take so many notes when you're speaking, and um. I look forward to talking offline more about the book as I continue to apply uh, some of the fantastic questions that it forced me to, to think through and bring clarity to my life with. So thank you very much. Wonderful. Um, one of the big takeaways that, that Stephen just shared in the last 30 minutes was about quality of life and that that is what everybody is seeking. And I want to share and, and thank everybody at Breakfast with Champions because you made a difference last week when you spent an hour with Joy and I last Thursday. 
to share with us what are some other topics that are really high on your priority list that we should dive into during Breakfast with Champions. And two big takeaways that we're going to be developing for next week are uh, first around the idea of purposeful parenting. Uh, we've got a couple of rock stars in this group that are going to help us. Um, America's super mom and uh, Gina is also, I hope, going to join us. Um, and we've got a couple other people in the lineup. So next week on Tuesday, I believe, we are going to focus on purposeful parenting. And then on Thursday, the topic that was mentioned as much, if not more, was around the area of mental health. And mental health is a is a tough subject. It's a deep subject. And we wanted to make sure we did it right and brought the right resources to have a, a really productive conversation around mental health in the workplace, mental health in our homes, mental health for educators was brought up, and mental health for our healthcare workers. Um, so we've got some great resources that we're going to be bringing next Thursday around the idea of mental health and, and how we can continue to help and support each other, how we can be more vulnerable, how we can ask better questions. So um, be ready on next Tuesday, we're going to talk about purposeful parenting and next Thursday, we're going to focus on mental health. But that brings us back to today, which is we wanted to lead today into those two conversations. And often on the segment that Joy and I bring from seven to eight, um, we do a lot of conversational uh, uh, popcorn around the room, and we've, we've discussed the idea of joyful moments quite a few times. Now, it's not because Joy's name is Joy, but it happens to be an absolute perfect fit with my It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> and when I was reading, actually, uh, Stephen, one of the uh, things that I took from your book it, that led into this discussion was when we were discussing or when I was reading about what are the six human needs, and as I was thinking through these joyful moments, Joy, almost every joyful moment that I was identifying in the last week tied into one of the six human needs. It was either something that that uh, created significance, that made me feel like I'd contributed, it, it was helping me grow, it, it created a connection, whether it be with a person or, or the earth around me. And so I thought that was an interesting tie-in to Stephen's book. So for the next uh, 45 minutes, we are going to talk about how the little things that we do in life create these joyful moments. They impact the type of parents that we are. They impact the type of leaders that we are. It absolutely helps um, improve our mental health when we take a moment in life to recognize joy. And I'm going to lead off with a moment in my life that happened actually last night. And it was just crazy how life works and that we were having this discussion about joyful moments. We were talking about uh, purposeful parenting, talking about mental health. And last night at about, I don't know, six o'clock, I was racing home from work to, to get my son to something that he had at school. And I didn't even know what it was. And to set the stage, I'll tell you all, I have a 15 year old son. And I believe that the age of 15 is one of the most interesting and possibly tough ages that a person goes through. My son is in ninth grade. He's the youngest one in the school. Uh, most of the kids 10th grade and up are all driving, so it's the one age group that's not yet driving, and, and they don't have a bus to go to our school, so it's a, a parent drop-off situation. And at 15, there's a lot of unsurety in life. There's a lot of self-doubt, uh, a lot of trying to figure out who you are. And while we go through that the rest of our adult life, at 15, it seems really new. Um, before you're 15, I think you're just comfortable, more comfortable being a kid. And all of a sudden, all these, these questions and doubts start coming into your mind. So last night, age 15, my ninth grade son says, Mom, I got to be at school at 7 o'clock. I said, well, what, what are you going for? He said, I don't know. 
He said, apparently the seniors in our high school had a special celebration um, the Thursday night before graduation, and they, they do some sort of ceremony. And all I know is I was told that I was invited and I'm supposed to be there at seven o'clock. And so for 30 minutes before he's, mom, I don't know what to wear. I, I you know, I, I, they didn't tell me what the dress code is. And I don't want to get there too early where I'm standing around, but I don't want to be late either. And I've got to leave at the exact perfect time. And I was, I was, I was listening to all these questions going on in his head around just doubting why he was even invited and, and isn't this going to look okay and when should we be getting there? So we got there at about 6.58. We decided that was the right time. And I told him, I said, just put on the shirt that makes you feel the most you. And I thought he might come down to athletic clothes, but he actually came down in a nice button-up shirt and khaki pants and I dropped him off and he was fidgeting in his pocket as I left him there. And I was I was waiting with my husband for the text message and at about 8.20, text me said, can you come pick me up now? I was like, oh no, maybe this didn't go well. I raced over to the school, which is about 10 minutes from our house. And he hopped in my car with this big smile on his face. And I said, oh, how, how did it go? What, what was this thing? He said, well, it was a candle ceremony. And he said, each senior hands their candle down to an underclassman in the ninth, 10th or 11th grader. And that the, it was supposed to um, uh, be that this person would carry on their spirit in the school. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Who gave you the candle? And, and he shared the name of, of the young man. And um, so I didn't know, but he was on his tennis team. And I said, oh, did he, you know, he just give you the candle. He said, well, mom, most of the other seniors just handed their candle over to the next person. He said, but Stuart is one of the leaders of the senior class. I think he's class president or something. And he said, so he got to go uh, last or second to last. And he actually stood up and he shared with everybody that he was giving his candle to me because I was one of the few ninth graders on our varsity tennis team. And he had gotten to to watch me this year and he shared about my spirit and my positive attitude and the effort that I put in, even though I was the youngest and kind of at the bottom of the ladder. And I watched my son smile and I watched his chest kind of puff out in confidence. And he actually said, he said, mom, he said, I feel so confident. He said, I am so ready for 10th grade and I cannot wait for all that I'm going to be able to do at this school. And I'm sharing this because it was a joyful moment for me as a parent. I literally am almost in tears. I have, I have goosebumps right now sharing the story. But when we talk about taking a moment and recognizing joy, for me, it wasn't the joy of what my son necessarily went through, but it was the joy of watching his smile and his confidence literally grow in that one moment. And we don't always realize, we talk about this all the time, small impacts we have on people. But that senior probably spoke for 30 seconds about my son. I don't even know how much thought he put into who he was giving his candle to. Maybe it was a lot, maybe it was a little. But he just impacted my son in such a significant way, and it brought such joy to me as a parent. So we're going to kick off this morning about talking about what are those moments of joy, that how do those help us be better parents, be better leaders, how does it help improve our mental health, and how do we just recognize the beauty and the joy in life all around us? Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. I love that Well, I think it's so important. I think high school is one of those times where you're so uncertain, you know, hormones and am I okay and what everyone else is doing and where do I fit in and do I have a place and am I valuable? 
am I good enough? And all these questions that honestly don't end in high school. I feel like so many of us in our adult life still ask the same questions like, am I good enough? Did I do okay? Are you proud of me? Right? So just to hear that perspective from a 15 year old, it's like, wow, all of us sitting in this room still ask the same questions. And do people see our significance? Um, so I love that. It's so funny you shared that story. I went to a graduation party last night for one of my girlfriend's sons. She was like, hey, we're having a we're having a get together tonight for graduation. Of course, I'm like long day at work, but I'm a big fan of saying, hey, if I'm going to show up, I'm going to show up. So the second I opened the door, like the look on his face is like, you really came. And for me, I walked in and some of his high school friends were there and um, his cousin, who I have met previously, I walked in, he said, oh my gosh, it's my favorite rainbow. And I just sat there and smiled. We followed each other on Instagram the first time I met him at uh, my girlfriend's house. And I just sat back and said, you know what? He said, I follow you on Instagram. And every time that you post about rainbows or seeing just the random favor moments in your life, it just makes me so happy. And it just reminds me that you never know who's watching you. You never know who needs a little bit of sunshine in their life. You never know what someone's going through. And so after having a really long day at work yesterday, to walk into this event that I said I was going to show up for, and that was the first thing that I was greeted with, and it just made me smile. I was like, gosh, you just never know. And it was such a cool moment to, to also um, you know, talk to some of these high school kids, being like, you know what, you think you know everything now. If I could tell my 17, 18-year-old self a few things, um, you know, what would I share? And so it was just great having some of those just raw conversations with high school kids. I think I have a huge passion for high school girls. I've been able to mentor several of them, you know, in the past several years. And it's just the joy of my life to just look around and be like, just be where your feet are. Don't rush the process. You know, if I could have told my high school self anything, it'd be like, what are you in such a rush for? Enjoy the people you're around. Find the find those little moments that light you up and just go for it with all you have. So I just love how, you know, here you've got a, a high school story and that was just my experience last night. And it just put the biggest smile on my face as well, Liza. Yeah. So I think as we, as we are now adults and we're not those 15, 16, 17 year olds, how do we continue to make sure that we are helping to light other people's candles? How are we, uh, showing up in life to create those small moments that are impacting other people. And uh, and also, how do we recognize when someone is doing that for us? We often get so busy with our schedules and we're racing and we're busy and, and we don't always take those moments to recognize joy and recognize how it can lift us up. So what we're going to do this morning is we'd like to just open it up to the moderators, to the speakers, and talk about joyful moments, talk about how we recognize them and how we also pass that candle over to others. Um, and really around aspects of parenting and mental health, which are going to lead us into next week. Um, but, but being able to recognize joyful moments, we know that that is one of the number one tips when we start learning about what affects our mental health, is we have to recognize the beauty around us. We have to take moments to both allow people to impact us and for us to impact others. Um, so, Joy, let's open it up. I love it. If you just want to flash your mics, we'll, we'll come and grab you. I see Gina and Mark um, to pick us off. Good morning, Gina. 
Good morning, guys. I'm drinking my coffee and getting my brain working in order to talk. But um, Liza, I loved what you said about um, your story about your son. I think that that's just a testament too to a wonderful parenting and being an incredible mom. So kudos to you. And yeah, I mean, I talk a lot um, in the mom link rooms about parenting and we all know it's hard and we all know you know, um, being a mom and being either a stay-at-home mom with a lot of kids or one kid or being pregnant or working and trying to take care of kids and being a wife and a member of a community and a business owner. Um, it, it's just, it can be quite taxing on us. It can be a lot. It can be overwhelming. But what we talk about as well is the ability to live in joy while doing that as well. You know, I have so many moments in my life where I am in joy. And part of the conversations that I love to have is, are you living in joy? And what does that even mean to live in joy? And what that means to me is um, practicing the attitude of gratitude. So even in moments where we're struggling, we still are grateful for what we have. We're grateful for the fact that we have beautiful children in front of us that are learning from us and growing. We're grateful for the relationship that we have with our husband. We're grateful for the love of God. We're grateful that we have, I mean, just the simplest things, you know, grateful that we have a roof over our head, a car to drive, clean water to drink, clothes in our closet. If we're complaining about the laundry, at least we have clothes, you know, at least we have the ability to have clean clothes. And, you know, um, if we're complaining about what to make for dinner, at least we have food on our plate and the ability to not go hungry. I mean, there's just so many simple things that when you shift your mindset from frustrated and mad and sad to this is an opportunity for me to grow and this is an opportunity for me to recognize all the blessings that God has placed in front of me, that is when I think you're truly living in joy, when you realize how much we actually have and focus on the things that we have when you start counting your blessings and really have that attitude of gratitude on a daily basis and make that a daily practice and a regular practice in your life, that is truly when you are living in joy. I'm turning 40 this Saturday and there's some things that I'm having a little party and, you know, we have backyard construction and my husband got frustrated with somebody yesterday about, you know, not being fully completed by Saturday. And I thought to myself, you know, Let's not even go there. You know, we are blessed to have this beautiful home, blessed to have this beautiful backyard. I'm blessed to have 65 people who love me and want to come celebrate me coming. You know, that there's so much to be grateful for. I'm blessed to have 40 years of life. Age is a gift. Not everybody is able to get to 40 years in life. And I'm just so grateful for that. So when we have that attitude, that to me is I'm living in joy. I'm enjoying everything that God has put on my life. And I know that what is in my life is meant for me. So hopefully that was helpful, guys. Thank you. I'm Gina. Gina, that was incredibly helpful. And I just wrote down age is a gift. So I can remind myself as I'm feeling old at times that that, that is a gift that I absolutely to live this long. Yes. Um, Gina, I also wrote down something that I want us to dive deeper into next Thursday when we're talking about mental health. And I'm going to put this out there because I want people to think about it. So often when we, when we see people in our lives who are struggling, I immediately go to gratitude and try to, to help, help them see things they could be grateful for in their life. But when you're in a, when you're in a dark place, 
and I've had people in my life in this place, they don't want to hear that or they can't see it. And I would love to have someone help us next week about when you are, when you have someone in your life who is, is struggling and, and you're trying to help them see the light, you're trying to help them see things to be grateful for. And they just can't, they just can't get there. How do we do a better job helping lead them to gratitude? Because I could not agree with you more, Gina, that it is the number one way that I handle tough times and struggle in my life. Janelle Delgado is one that she said, don't just write 10 gratitudes, write 100. When you're having your toughest day, you don't stop writing things you're grateful for until your brain comes out of that fog. And um, so I'd love next Thursday for us to dive into how do we help those around us who are struggling move into a place of gratitude. So Gina, thank you so much for bringing that topic up. And um, I would love to go over to Mark next. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. My name is Mark Deeks, uh, speaking to you from the, uh, the northeast coast of England. I uh, play piano as I speak, I hope that's okay. Because one of the things I'm massively passionate about, and you'll see uh, from my profile, I'm on a mission to get one million people playing piano. And the reason that I do that is not to get people playing piano. It's exactly what you're talking about with the context of uh, improving mental health, reducing stress, making it part of a well-being routine. Um, I just think it's wonderful to not just think about the actual acts that we're learning to do in, in my context in the context of uh, using a, a musical hobby but it's the benefits that can bring us about learning to have a, a more balanced life and to have 15 minutes a day just for ourselves uh, by the way this really is me playing I, I have to prove that sometimes because people think it's a recording it really is me um so yeah just the idea of having something that's just for us each day it's to improve confidence to reduce stress, to reduce anxiety. And I've had clients recently tell me they sleep better from playing piano 15 minutes a day. Well, when you can sleep better, what else do, does that have an impact on, a positive impact in terms of being more present with our families, being more present with our partners, being more focused at work? I had a client recently tell me that her eating disorder had actually stopped in its tracks by playing piano 15 minutes a day. And I'm not a medical doctor. I have no medical training whatsoever. But it just strikes me that what does that mean for someone's life when they just have a positive distraction like that? So yeah, I'd, I'm really excited. I'd love to be part of next Thursdays if, if I could be of any service to you whatsoever by just reminding people of the power of music. And even if you don't want to learn to play an instrument, you don't have to, you know, just take five minutes a day to listen to a song and remind us of who, where, when that song reminds us of in our lives. Because music is the memory marker of our lives. We use it at special occasions, birthdays, weddings, celebrations, funerals. So. Yeah, I'm just a massive advocate of using music to improve our mental health. So my name is Mark Deeks, and I'm done speaking. I second Mark, that. that was what a treat. That was beautiful. We'd so love to have you next Thursday further in this discussion. I'm going to share something really funny and timely with you. As I just shared the story about my 15-year-old son, uh, a year ago when COVID hit and they weren't going to school, my son randomly, who has never played a musical instrument, decided he wanted to learn to play the piano. And he went on YouTube and he downloaded a $99 piano music app and he's never taken any other lesson in his life. And he sits down every day and plays the piano. And I've watched it comfort his soul over the last year as he struggled as a teenager. Precisely that. Precisely. Is it, sorry, is it Liza or, or is that how I pronounce it? Liza, Liza. yes. Thank you so much. I, 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 that makes me feel really great because as you see, when I'm on a mission to get one million people playing piano, I just want as many stories like that in my life because that just does my, does my soul good. So um, if you'd be so kind, I'd love to know what kind of music he's into and I'll see if I can send him a little video to maybe give him, give him some encouragement. Oh, 
That would be fantastic. I will message you. Perfect. I'd love, I will I'd message love to you. do Great. that. Great. Thank you, Mark. Let's go to TM next, and then Joy, I think is going to kick it over to uh, Cairo, if I said your name correctly. But TM, we'll go with you first, and then we'll jump over. Good morning, champions. TM Hyman, thank you very much. Wow, uh, Liza, w what a dynamic story. Uh, and it was already stated, right? I mean, in order for your son uh, to have won, uh, consider preparing to go to the meeting um, and to have like, been identified, right? Um, in such a way by a leader. It certainly speaks to your leadership. And so thank you. Um, and thank you for what you do here for us um, at the table of champions. You know, for me, there are still, you know, adults who struggle to show up, right? Um, like your son did uh, in a school environment. And so I think this room uh, helps and has helped to empower uh, many of us because I think what we forget is regardless of what level we're on, right? Whether you are a beginner, whether you are intermediate or advanced uh, in your industry, we're still all striving for the next level, uh, all seeking uh, to be 1% better, right? And so, you know, thank you for sharing. My mother, as a kid, always encouraged uh, me to be accountable, right? Uh, her phrase was always, count up the cost, count up the cost. And I can remember this as like a 10-year-old. I can remember it as like a 15-year-old, a 20-year-old. And so what, what I know for a fact, what it did for me, it helped me to show up. Um, I'm intentional, but I'm also very thoughtful um, about the invite. You know, um, I, I considered whether I should show up uh, even in Tampa. And so, you know, I, I have challenged myself to do something different. Right. Get out of my own head, get out of my own way, get out of my own space. And so, you know, I'm so happy that I did press my way to Tampa uh, to, to meet, you know, the, the champions that I was able to meet. But it also helped me to realize, regardless of what I'm thinking, uh, sometimes we talk ourselves in and out of situations uh, all at the same time. Just show up, continue to surround yourself with champions um, and, and man. What a blessing it is to be surrounded by so many dynamic people who share stories. We are empowered uh, by our testimonies. I'm T.M. Hyman, and I'm done speaking. Thank you. So good. And I was so bummed that I saw so many amazing pictures of everybody in Tampa. It looks like you guys had an amazing time. And I think when it comes down to just showing up, it just brings joy to people around you. So thank you for all that you add always, TM. Good morning, Kairu. How are you? I'm loving this background photo. I feel like I'm just like floating in the clouds with you. Good morning, Joy. Thank you. I actually, um, I think I found this this morning as I'm pulling together some new clubhouse halos and fun things for profile photos for me and my friends. Um, so... I love this topic of discussion, and I think so many people have shared so many brilliant things. Um, it just reminds me of how powerful it is when we focus on the positive things that, that we have going on in our lives. Um, but something I often tell people is that there is there's so much opportunity for us to be distracted by negative experiences, and each of us will face different things that 
may seem insurmountable at one point or another. Um, and I think that's why it's so important that we take every opportunity that we can to build positive experiences in our lives where we are so powerful as individuals, we get to create the life that we want to lead. And so I encourage people all the time, build more positive experiences in your life. And when those negative experiences come, when those trials and tribulations, the things that happen around you that you can't necessarily um, control, you get to lean in to the strength of whatever joy you built up in your life through building those positive experiences. And another really quick thing I want to share before I move on um, is that when we share our testimonies, when we share the challenges, the trials, the tribulations that we overcame, it encourages and empowers and emboldens other people. There's a scripture that suggests that we are overcome by the word of our testimony. And so at my, at my business, I always have a moment where we sit down and we talk about areas throughout the week where we had to pivot, partner, and push to get through whatever was going on in our week to accomplish whatever we set out to accomplish. Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. Jeremy Downing here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but Thirty Hey guys, Jean-Paul Guidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Sturrisnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We had a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I wanna open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. So we share those stories in our one-on-one -on -one touch base sessions with with uh, the leaders of the team. And then we also share those stories, a select few at our all team meetings on Fridays. And I make it a point when I do different rooms here on Clubhouse that we get to share those types of testimonies so that we can reflect on them ourselves and really build up those positive memories and experiences in our own life, which empower us to build more positive experiences in the future, right? And also to empower and encourage others who are listening. So that's my share for today. Thank you so much for having me, Joy and Liza. I love that idea of building more positive experiences. It's almost like you put a coin in every time, you know, when you can stack those either good decisions or things that make you smile, you know, when the tough times come, you can lean on those things being like, gosh, I'm so grateful for that little thing and that little deposit and that little deposit. So if you ever have to take a withdrawal, then it doesn't hit so hard. So I love that idea, Kairu. And I love how you're integrating, just sharing the real, the real of life in your business. Cause I think that's what connects us all. So I'm really proud of you. Keep shining. Helen, I see you flashing your mic. Good morning. Is there a share about how you're incorporating a little bit more joy in your world? Good morning, Grand Rising. So good to be here. My name's Helen Kelly. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share 
this has been so inspiring for me. Um, and I always find having come into this room uh, every day for months now, it's really brought on a mindset shift for me. Um, that's sort of what someone was saying earlier about, you know, you only get out what you put in and you've got to really go to every task that you do with the right mindset. And I think everyone has a different path in life and just because one person makes it there before you or is apparently maybe doing better than you or and maybe looks like that to you, it's just about remembering that everyone in life has a different path with different bends and everyone will reach their goals at the right time for them. And if you're struggling with workload or whatever it may be, if you're not feeling like you're in the place you want to be in life, just remember to go at it with everything you've got and remember that what you're doing matters um, and that with the right mindset, you will keep on growing and getting to the, the destination you want to be at. I've never spoken before on here and I just want to say thank you so much for letting me speak. I'm Helen and I'm done speaking. Well, I'm so glad that you are here this morning because one, your accent is absolutely beautiful and two, I love what you shared about your mindset and that timing, timing is everything, right? I think sometimes we think that we're off course or, you know, we've got to speed up and it's like, you know what, in the right timing, that's when things get aligned. And so I loved how our mindset and the right timing can totally change our perspective. So we're so glad that you're here this morning, Helen, and I hope that you speak more often. Good morning. So anyone else want to pop in? We've got some new people here on the stage. I see Lauren flashing. Sure, yeah, mind. let's let Lauren go on. We'd love to have some new voices. It's all the same people. I love it. Good morning, Lauren. <laughs> Hi, good morning. This is my first time up on stage. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about a little bit something that um, kind of is my personal life that I've moved into my business and kind of share with everyone uh, that kind of makes, in, in a way, I always like to share the information of how to become a champion in like your everyday. So I became a, like a competitive ballroom dancer to kind of get away from my everyday life, to kind of breathe and, and try something for me to succeed at that wasn't even based on business. And little did I know that this would actually help me be better at my job. And it's more the fact that I wanted to become a world champion ballroom dancer and earn that title and earn that accreditation at the age of 38. So it took me 10 years to basically go through this challenge. And while I was going through this, I realized that I had this moment getting two days up to my competition that I had a huge brick wall pop right in my face. I had some challenges that I had to conquer and I almost walked away from my dream. So you actually have to go to that limit at whatever you decide to do or any challenge that you have. And if you think that it is over, if you think you can do, that's the sign that you're going to achieve your biggest championship. So you have to break through, keep going, push through. And so I use that in my everyday life, in my businesses, everywhere I go, that if you become struggled and, and just want to give up, raise your hands, quit your job, quit the project, whatever it is, that's your sign. That's your sign that it's going to work. And because you put so much passion into it, you'll continue on. This is Lauren. I'm complete. Lauren, I will tell you, 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 you shared several things in there that were really important. And the one that I want to pull out was when you said, 
being a champion in your everyday life. And when you talked about the ballroom dancing, so often we connect our life and purpose behind our career and maybe our family. But there are these other areas of life that absolutely can bring us joy, that we can be champions in. And the fact that you are a, a sort of, or I, I don't know what the word was, but around the ballroom dancer being a champion, that is amazing. That, that brought joy to me just envisioning you out there on the floor crushing your goal. Yeah, so thank I mean, you for I sharing that. I not only did it once, I did it twice, and I have like 18 titles to my name in that industry. So I crushed it in every way, and I crushed it every way in my everyday life. So blessed that on you is all. Fantastic. We are so happy to have you at our breakfast table. Just as a quick reminder, this is Breakfast with Champions, and this is the largest breakfast table in the world. And one of the best things about it is that because it is virtual, there are no lack of seats. So if you have any friends that you think would be enjoying this conversation this morning that need to be uplifted and understand how to recognize joyful moments, we would love for them to join us this morning. So please hit the plus button at the bottom and invite friends, family, anybody that you think would uh, be another wonderful addition to the largest breakfast table in the world here on Breakfast with Champions. Uh, let's get a couple of mic flashes. I'm looking down at the other end of our breakfast table with some uh, new faces that probably aren't new to this room, but might be new to me. And we would love to hear from you this morning on how do you recognize a joyful moment in your life? Share with us one you experienced recently that might inspire us to realize that we have more joyful moments in our life than we sometimes recognize. So give me a couple of mic flashes. Um, I'm seeing some people there at the other end of our table that we would love to have join. How about Megan and then Devin? Good morning, ladies, and good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to share that you both bring me great joy. I so look forward to your segments and your voices and your hearts. I just so, so appreciate you. You know, Liza, um, when you were speaking about or sharing the story about your son, it brought to mind um, last year, right before COVID, I had the opportunity to go to Colorado to be with my 15-year-old grandson who uh, was a freshman at the time. It was my daughter, one of her big birthdays, and they were going to Mexico. And so I came to stay with Nick. Uh, but during that uh, time, he was uh, going to a DECA conference as a freshman. And DECA is distributor, economic, something or other, something or others. But it was a big deal that he was chosen um, as a freshman from this club uh, to go and participate. And so I was asked to, uh, my daughter asked if I would go as a, chap a chaperone because otherwise how would I go to Colorado, meaning he was leaving. So I, I went with him. The first night we were there, he was very uncomfortable, just like your son. Um, we were in the room together and the group was going to have dinner in the moderator's uh, room a pizza dinner, and uh, he was making all sorts of excuses why he shouldn't go. And um, I looked at him, and he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, Nick, you're here to grow and learn from everyone and for you to share with them. You need to go the extra mile. And he looked at me, and he went, yeah, yeah. And he went, and then when he came back, like your son, he was so full of confidence and so full of joy that is a moment that I, I will never forget. Um, not knowing that I was going to go into, we all were going into COVID. I haven't seen him since then. Um, and it just brings me great joy to think back to that. And that knowing that that little moment 
maybe had some lasting uh, memory and effect on his life. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love Glenn Lundy, is that he goes that extra mile all the time, not only showing up every day, but putting, uh, orchestrating and putting together such an amazing uh, morning to kick off our lives. And I just, he brings me such great joy. And um, I will forever be grateful that I went to his um, Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference in August of 19, and I really didn't know anyone, but it brought, uh, so I got out of my own way and, and it brought such great joy and lasting friendship. So that's what also Clubhouse is. It's expanding that horizon and bringing great joy in my life. Thank you, ladies, and thank you, everyone, for sharing such wonderful wisdom every day in every way. Be blessed. Megan, the most, you also shared so many important points in a short, short moment there, but one thing I want to pull out is that so often we have to push through what we think is going to be a struggle, what we think is going to be something uncertain or uncomfortable, and then there's that moment of joy that pops through. And gosh, if we didn't force ourselves outside of our comfort zone, we would never experience those moments. And uh, thank you for sharing that. And I think we've got to all remember that as we head out into our days today. Devin, what can you share with us this morning? We would love to hear from you. Hello, Miss Liza. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I see some familiar faces, some unfamiliar faces, but uh, I've seen everybody here in one room or the other. It's just finally great to share a stage with you all. And Liza, I just wanted to share uh, an experience that I had almost two months ago that brought me such great joy. So I... I'm in the army. I, I do a bunch of different things, but one bucket of my life is is my running. I'm an ultra marathon runner, and I had the experience of running something called the last man standing run. So the structure of the race was that you ran one mile or 1.05 miles around a lake within 15 minutes until there's one person remaining. Now I ended up winning the race, but I'm not here to tell you that. Because I believe that the person that you become in the victory is more important than the victory itself. So I just want to share quick five Ps that brought me joy and that I will continue to use in my life to bring me joy that I learned from that race in particular. Number one, the importance of presence. And now I admire everyone in this room for the simple fact that we are all future thinkers. We're all manifestors. We all want to create our future. Our vision wants to come into reality. But we can't forget the importance of being present in the day. It was Marcus Aurelius that once said, confine yourself to the present. So important to be here right now. And when you're on, when you're running a race that's one mile long and you don't know the finish line because it, you just go until there's one person left, it's really hard to get consumed by the big picture. And as we look at our goals and our dreams, it is oftentimes easy to allow the big picture to disturb us from making the daily progress requ required to eventually get there. So I had to take it one mile at a time rather than focusing on, gosh, how much longer do I have to go? The second P that I wanted to talk about was patience. Once again, when you're running a race that you don't know where the finish line is, you cannot allow the concept of time to be viewed as an obstruction. I would watch one mile go by. Okay, one mile, two mile, uh, three, three hours, four hours, five. When it starts getting to 14, 15 hours, sometimes you're like, 
Can the other guy just quit already? I've been going for 18 hours now. When is he going to quit? And in a similar way, I believe the devil works in our life and we ask ourselves the question, when will the devil leave me alone? But as long as we remain present and patient, we'll be able to persist through that. Which leads me to my third point. The importance of persistence. It's almost impossible to beat somebody that just refuses to quit. <laughs> I have to laugh because there was this one other runner at mile 60. There was three of us left. A guy named Kevin, who was the race director, he put on the whole thing. He decided to run, which is atypical. Race directors don't usually run. Then there was this other dude. He was running nine minutes per mile for 65 miles. Can anybody put that into perspective? That is incredible. Crazy. Crazy. I, you I can't even fathom it. Though. Insane. Yeah. Crazy. You guys think that's crazy. Listen to this. After every mile, he was drinking beer and smoking a cigarette. I never <laughs> wow. saw anything like that. I don't know what it was. I don't know if you're trying to play mind games on people. I had no idea. But the, per the, the message that I'm trying to share by sharing that is that sometimes you look at somebody else who's in a certain position and you think, how are they doing what they're doing? Yet I'm struggling not even doing what they're doing. So I was at mile 65, ladies and gentlemen. With my hands on my knees going up this one hill, thinking to myself, I don't know how much longer I can go. And this guy is running nine minutes a mile, not even looking like he's struggling, drinking double wicked IPA, I come to find out. Never even heard of the thing before. Oh, double weed wicked IPA. Sorry, I missed an important part there. Anyways, I'll never forget with my hands on my knees going up that hill. Going up that hill and two things came to my mind as I thought about giving up. Number one, if I give up now, I will never know how close I was to actually succeeding. And number two, anything can happen. So I went on to finish that lap. I go back. He's getting his feet taped up. He has some blisters. All I'm telling myself is let me just go this one more mile. Just remain present in the moment. How it works is every, after every lap, the, the race director, his wife, would ring the bell. And when you ring the bell, you have 10 seconds left in order to get back to the starting point, in order to start the next lap. Me and the race director, Kevin, are looking at each other. We're walking back to the line. She rings the bell, ding, 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 ding. I run over, and all of a sudden, the guy who was drinking Double Weed Wicked IPA and smoking a pack of parliaments the whole time isn't moving. And I'm thinking to myself, no way. No way is he quitting. This is mile 70, five miles, only five miles after I had that, that contemplative thought of quitting. And I thought to myself, no way is he quitting. Sure enough, ladies and gentlemen, he decided to stop at mile 70. The message that I'm sharing with you all is that you never know how close you are to succeeding. Thomas Edison once said that most people are failures in life because they didn't notice how close they were to succeeding when they gave up. If I would have gave up at mile 65, I would have never went on to mile 76 and won that race because I didn't know how close I actually was to winning. And the very last point that I want to share with you all is that despite the pain of having about 12 blisters on my feet, or despite the pain of this, that, and the other thing happened, when you remain present, patient, persistent, and are willing to endure the pain, the victory is permanent. Mm. Because you can't take that away from me. But more importantly than the victory, 
the person that I became in the process is permanent. So ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you allowing me to stare the shade stage. This is truly an honor. And I just had to get that off my chest today because I'm just such filled with joy and happiness. And it's just so great to finally sharing the stage with such amazing rock stars. So thank you so much. My name is Devin Rodriguez and I'm complete. Wow. Devin, you know, we started this room talking about these little moments of joy. And I think you just shared like a huge, enormous moment of joy. I cannot even fathom finishing that 70 or seeing that other person decide to stop at the 70th mile and the amount of joy that I might feel in my heart at that moment of what I have pushed through. So that was a huge moment of joy. And we're so grateful to have you at our breakfast table this morning. We've got just a few minutes left, uh, Joy. Let's get a couple other mic flashes. We're talking this morning about joyful moments and how making sure that we recognize these moments uh, right around us every day and how much they can affect our own mental health, how when we create a joyful moment for someone else, how it can impact their life in ways that we don't even recognize oftentimes. So let's get, uh, I think we have time for probably uh, two more shares this morning. Uh, if you'd like to share, just flash your mic. I'm trying to scroll all the way down so I don't miss anybody. Um, I, I see Karita. Yes! I'd love to hear from you. And then uh, Thomas. Hi, good morning, everyone. Hey, thank you. Um, so yes, this morning I actually... I woke up at 4.30 a.m. and a smile just came up my face. I felt amazing. You know, I felt so well rested. But I knew the reason for it was because I was proud of myself. Because my new habits are finally beginning to stick. I finally see how I'm overcoming my ways. I was proud of how I put in every day, you know, into my growth. And I was proud of the little gains that I made every day, no matter, no matter if it was walking an extra 0.1 mile. And to see just how these little steps that I'm taking is really beginning to stick and just, and building on it. And I just felt amazing this morning. I was so excited for the day ahead. And it was just one of those moments that I was like, yes. And I really just lay there and I just said, thank you, Father. It was just amazing. I'm Karita, and I'm done speaking. Karita, I love Karita. that. One of the things that I love when I do waking up is I just smile for no reason. And it literally changes everything, and it sets the pace for the day. So one of the things that I always tell people to do is when you wake up, if no one's even watching, it's just you and a smile. It just sets the tone for your day, and it gets you in just the best mood. I think sometimes we have this um proclivity to wake up and either just think about what's on our schedules and what's ahead of us and i think sometimes when we just wake up and smile for no reason it just changes everything so super proud that all of your hard work is starting to pay off by stacking those good decisions and it's always great to hear your voice here at the breakfast table table karita and thomas round us out my friend good morning joey good morning good morning everybody so as far as joyful moments um, I was finishing up last night and I'm outside talking to clients and a client stopped me and said, you know what, look at yourself and look how many beautiful faces of people, clients, they're so happy when they coming and picking up their dogs and look at the impact that you're making. So I turn around and I saw all these patients, all these clients waiting anxiously to see their pet after surgery and I felt that joy and I'm like, 
yeah, that is what I'm here for, just making an impact. And look how many lives, how many people are I'm making their moment so special because they're basically getting back to their animals and they're healed and they're fine. And, and that is that is the joy of fulfillment. And uh, I love that, just to realize that, you know, at times we're so busy and occupied on our our jobs, they do, we don't realize what we do, you know, and um, that was beautiful. And, you know, sometimes be in the present and just get out of your head and just look around where you're creating that vibration. I think uh, Stephen Kugel was talking about that vibration. You know, we create vibrations and just being around people, you can transfer that energy and you can touch people without talking. And that is, uh, I love it. So Joy, please keep on smiling because we love your smile. And I wish everybody the best. And this is Thomas and I'm done or Tomas for Joy. Thank you guys. Cracks me up every time people are like, Tomas, tell us, tell us, tell us your insightful share. And it just tickles me so much. I think I'm just going to start calling you Tomas. It just has a little extra flair on it. You know what I'm saying? I think we might have time for maybe just a couple more, actually. Um, I want to open the hand raising and hear from um, a new friend. Brand X, why do that? If you want to go ahead and share, and then we'll take um, we'll take a special friend from the other side of our breakfast table. So take it away, Brand X. Good to see you. One thing that has really brought me joy is the morning routine. For so long, I went through life feeling worthless, feeling like I just didn't have it together, especially in the process of trying to build a business, feeling so behind. And then when I started waking up before the sun was out and I started getting things done, and then by 7 a.m., I had already worked out, spent time with God, meditated. I was like, whoa. And it really started to create a sense of joy. And I believe it's because I had the control at that moment. A lot of times in life, we're waiting on happiness to come from an external circumstance. But I really believe joy comes when we're having that sense of peace and we're operating and becoming the greatest version of ourselves. That is all. You're a whole vibe. I just dropped you a follow and I could not agree more. Thank you so much for being here this morning, Brandex. And Sea to Soul. I am so glad that you are our lucky winner today. We're so grateful that you're here and would love to hear what's bringing you joy in your world. Wow. Um, this is an honor. I appreciate uh, this whole space and just being grateful to hear everyone's. Uh, <laughs> you don't know how much value it's bringing me. Um, what's bringing me joy right now is actually helping others being the best versions of themselves, being a blessing to others. Um, me personally, um, just a quick story. I was 320 pounds, 2018, I remember. <laughs> and I had no way, I wasn't like a health guy. I wasn't, you know, exercising. I wasn't, um, this nutritionist or whatever the case is. I was just 320 pounds and depression and, and, you know, just really down in life. And really, it just took, it just really took, you know, a decision to being the best version of myself that whatever happens at this moment and at this time, that I was not going to die in the mindset that I was in. And once I'd made that decision, I was able to go ahead and focus on what was my best qualities? What was the thing that I can do that I can change? Maybe the easiest things that I had the hardest times to do, I did it. And I was able to go ahead and lose 100 pounds in nine months. And having that blessing and having that, 
and you know just just being grateful that God put me out of out of diabetes you know being overweight hyper hypertension to where I had that in my family uh it taught me something sometimes God blesses others or help people to get blessed by others and sometimes God blesses you to be a blessing to others and I understood my purpose and I understand what he wanted me to do for for everyone else so the thing that's bringing me joy right now is not you know making money in this space that I am being a new entrepreneur but really more so helping others being the best version of themselves and helping them lose weight and um this is see the soul I'm done speaking see the soul you were the perfect uh, person to help end our hour for our hour around joyful moments and how we experience them in life. Uh, being a blessing to others is what you share with us. That is how we create these joyful moments. I started off the seven o'clock hour sh- sharing a story about my 15 year old son and a candle that he received last night from a senior in high school who really uh, lit his light and I think is going to be incredibly impactful for him going forward as he moves through high school. So I want to encourage you this morning at our breakfast table, each one of you, everyone who we have had the incredible honor to uh, have breakfast with over the last hour, to make sure that we're doing two things today. First, how can we be a blessing to others? Whose candle can we help light? How can we shine light for others and create that joyful moment that could be so small, could be so small that we don't even recognize how impactful it can be? And the second thing that we want to do today is make sure that as we head out there in the world, that we're recognizing the joyful moments around us and that whether it be through gratitude, whether it be through somebody who gives you an extra smile today, somebody who serves you, we're going to make sure that we're creating joyful moments and that we're recognizing joyful moments. So um, I am just so grateful for this hour, Joy. Thank you for sharing it with me, and I, I appreciate everybody who's been with us this morning. I think we now turn it over to Justin and Amanda. You all have not heard these two. You are in for a treat over the next hour. And I see Glenn flashing. Glenn, you want to say a few words as we transition? I just want to say another powerful, powerful hour. Thank you, Liza. Thank you, Joy. And thank you to my man, Devin, for dropping it in today. That was incredible, man. Absolutely uh, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. So, yeah, this is you know, obviously Breakfast of Champions, Millionaire Breakfast Club. And I was just looking at the uh, panel. My man, Chris Winfield, just got here, by the way. Let's make sure Chris gets up here. My boy, Chris, in the house. Uh, I was just looking at the breakfast table today. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. We got, you know, Emily is here. Hello, Miss Emily in the purple. Emily, Emily. I just wrote you in for one of the clubbies. I just knew you were a, a clubby Aww. right in. Thank you so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just wrote Emily in for one of the clubbies, which the clubbies are like the Grammys, the Oscars, the Emmys uh, of of Clubhouse. And it's a really fun thing that they're doing. And Breakfast of Champions has been nominated for many categories. And there are members of Breakfast of Champions that have been nominated in other categories. And so I would love it if you would each go raise your voices and go vote. Uh, You can click on my profile and then go to my Instagram page, and you can vote for your favorite rooms, your favorite people uh, right there on the clubbies. And I think they'll be having the, uh, I think it's June 9th that they're going to have the big 
awards ceremony. So I would love for you guys to do that. But take a look around the breakfast table today. Are you kidding me? We've got like Dominique is up in here. She is amazing. We got Sarah McCord in the house this morning. I appreciate you, Sarah. And like so many others, man. Chris is up here today. My man Thomas is saving lives all around the the uh, the planet. Ashley Shipman, my dude Ashley, looking debonair. He's on the phone right now, but he's looking good. Alpha's getting ready for a big segment coming up. My man Kurt, brother Chris, like we even got Carol Baskin up in here this morning. How you doing, Mister Carol Baskin? Oh, you cool, Captain Kittens. <laughs> it never gets old. It never gets old. I laugh every single time, man. I love it. Carol, thanks for joining us here on Breakfast with Champions today. Uh, my man Dustin's in the house. Like, there's just so many, man. What a beautiful, beautiful array of people. Like, imagine in real life, not that this isn't real life, but imagine in, like, physical world, physical world, if all of these humans were in, like, all 465 of us in the same, like, room, in the same building. Just think about the energy and the potential and the opportunities and all of that, the connections, the networking. Like, it's really fascinating to me. So do me a favor. Take some time right now. Look around the room. Make sure you're connecting with these other superhumans uh, that are in here. It's just really, really a special space. So click on their face, follow them, follow the person to your left, to your right, above you, below you, all of those good things. And I also did want to mention our club up there at the top. If you're newer to Clubhouse uh, and you haven't joined our club yet, hit that greenhouse up there at the top. And we've got some big things coming down the pipeline. We've got a lot of things in the works, and we would love for you to be a part of that and get those notifications when we're opening rooms uh, throughout the day, not just in the mornings. And so make sure you're following our club up there uh, at their, at, at, in the corner. And so with all of that said, I do want to hand it over. I'm super excited to hear from Amanda and Justin today. We appreciate you guys hopping in. And uh, with that, I'll hand over the mic. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60 year record this past January. All of these dealers joined the 800% club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Justin, my brother, are you there? Oh, I sure am, Amanda. How are you doing this morning? Good. I'm so jazzed for our topic. And it's like right along the lines of everything that we've been talking about this week definitely this morning. You know, Glenn, I'm feeling you this morning. I woke up and I was like, is this the message we're delivering? This is the message we are delivering. So I'm stoked about it. Yeah, right, let's, Justin, you want to tell everyone who you are? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, let's dance. This is uh, Amanda and Justin's Treehouse. Amanda and I, we operate, I mean, across the world from each other, but we line up on a lot of things, right? And I think we've done the dance a couple times in terms of showcasing what was able 
to get us to where we are today. So I'm Justin Conical. I own a real estate firm. I'm aiming to be a global brand and I'm not even looking to compete with other brokerages. My moonshot is competing with the Amazons of the world. We can talk about that another day. I also own a production company. So we teach businesses how to create assets and find their voice. And we actually teach people how to pitch. We don't want them to be reliant on us. We want to empower them in the community. So Amanda, maybe give them a little bit of background and then steer the ship in terms of the topic and we'll be bouncing back and forth. Let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Amanda Dahl. I'm the CEO of a residential real estate team and I am in Tampa Bay, Florida, just about 15 minutes away of our friend Carol uh, that's in the room with us. So I've been in the business six years and I've grown an organization from the ground. Uh, and we this year we'll do about $100 million in volume and that's about 300 sides for real estate. So along the same lines of Justin, systems and processes, business building, learning how to uh, attract really great people in your world and succeed through them. So this morning when Justin and I were chatting, I'm like, how do you feel about accountability, Justin? And he's like, oh man, I am on your wave, girl. So this morning we are going to talk about accountability versus being a victim and all grounding when life happens, right? So how do we respond to life? So with that, Justin, you want to open, open us up? Yeah, so, you know, I did a podcast yesterday with our boy Michael up there, so I'd encourage everybody to go follow him. We really connected, and it was a fireside chat. We didn't have any straight-up topic. We were kind of letting God lead us in that direction, and we told the story about, you know, the different versions of ourselves, and I'm not going to get deep into that topic. You can listen to the podcast, but essentially, there were two versions of myself, right? There was one that was living for the world, trying to satisfy other people, and really, it wasn't me, right? I, I was a person that always tried to help situations, but I, I lived in a bit of a dark world and bad things happened around me. And I was always kind of the peacemaker and the people connector. And he asked me, he's like, you know, where did you find your gift? What Glenn was talking about yesterday, once you find your gift, you share it with the world. And I said, it was once, once I gave up living for the world and once God told me kind of who I was, I was able to, to identify it. But there was one thing that led to that was taking action. Cause it's great to say, Hey, look, you got three doors in front of you. You can pick a door, but you have to step through the door. So he started talking about what was the thing that was able to break through these limiting beliefs you had in yourself or the ability to get through to those next stages. And there was one simple one. I showed him my notebook and I start, I'll start off there, Amanda. Like I think from an accountability perspective, you have to identify, you know, your gifts or what you're trying to accomplish, even if it is your moonshot, but then you have to start writing these things down and make it visual. Right. And I would identify two things. I spoke about one yesterday and I'll speak about this one today. You know, having an external brain, and in my book, it's my notepad, and then it's a digital external brain. I don't care if it's notes on your iPhone, if it's Trello, Monday.com, but I visually look at the man I want to be. And I'll let you into my world a little bit today. We are dealing with a family situation where, you know, something bad has happened, you know, a disease is taking turn for the worst very quickly. So prayers, you know, for our family would be very, very, I'd be very grateful for that. But, you know, I realized something last night when I came home and you know, my daughter sat on my lap and she's been all up in Canva, wants to create these magazines. We did one about dogs. She wanted to do one about cupcakes. And I literally had, you know, 500 plus emails and a whole bunch of fires to put out. But I stopped and I felt the Holy Spirit pulling me saying, like, does it matter at the end of the day? Like, what, what are you trying to be? And in my journal, I'm trying to be a patient father, trying to be a suitor to my wife. I'm trying to be present in moments with people on Clubhouse like this and people that I meet at the coffee shop, the grocery store. And I'm trying to exemplify the fruits of the spirit. Now I fail every day. That's a promise. I will fail every day, but tracking it 
somewhere where it's in front of me like it is right now makes me realize midway through the day when I'm tired and hangry and all these things are coming at me, oh yeah, this is the guy I want to be. So Amanda, I think that would be the first thing I'd like to talk about is putting something in place where you can visually identify the things that you're trying to accomplish and hold yourself accountable. So I'll throw it back to you. What systems have you seen either from a personal standpoint or an organizational standpoint that allows personnel or a team to track goals and hold themselves accountable? So I love everything that you just said. And you are somebody who exemplifies accountability. And I'll dial it back even further. Like the first thing that has to happen is you as an individual, you have to have a mindset shift. And you have to decide that you want to be the person that controls your life. You want to be the person that owns it at all levels. And you want to have accountability to keep you in that ownership position. The second thing that I would say is you then have to decide what level of commitment are you giving to this? Because a lot of the times people will say, oh, I'm committed 100%. And that sounds really great. And yet are they? Most people will judge others on their actions, not their intentions. Yet when we turn the mirror towards ourselves, we absolutely judge ourselves on our intentions versus our actions. If you called up Verizon today and you said, I was overcharged on a bill, I want it to be corrected. And the person on the other end of the phone said, great, Mrs. Dahl, we're going to get that corrected for you in the next 30 days. And 30 days comes by and I don't get a credit on my bill. And I call back and the same person answers the phone and they say, you know what, Ms. Dahl, I'm so sorry. My intention was to correct it. Am I going to judge them on their action or their intention? I'm going to judge them on their action. And yet we don't take that same concept and apply it to ourselves. We'll get to the end of the day. We didn't do what we said we were going to do. And then we will give ourselves a, a, a pass, so to speak, because we intended to do it. We woke up with the right intentions. And yet that is not going to get you to where you want to go. So the first thing is a mindset shift. I'm going to own what happens to me in my life at all levels. And the second thing is what is my commitment to doing that? If I am all in, then come hell or high water, it is going to happen. If I have to, if it's a work goal, if I have to put a cot in my office and sleep there to meet my goals, that's the level of commitment we're talking about. So there's no right or wrong answer. You just have to do those two things and identify because we're talking about real here. There's no smoke and mirrors. There's no rose color petals and rainbows and sunshine. If you want to be the owner of your life and your world, you have to get really real. And if you decide in this moment you're not committed at all levels, that's fine. At least you have clarity. Yet getting clear about that is first and foremost. So when we talk about life happening, right, something happens, whether it's a new journey you want to embark on, whether it's a new relationship you're getting into, whether it's a move that you're making, it doesn't matter what it is, life happens. And I'll tell you, here's accountable versus victim. When life happens or life shows up, accountable people, they get on with it. They literally say, okay, let's do it. Victims, they avoid the reality and they ask no questions. Accountable people, they find solutions. They ask, what can I do? What can I do in this moment? Victims, they fight the reality. And they say, that's not now. I see it. Accountable people, they own it. They own it at all levels. And they say, if it's to be, it's up to me. 
victims, they place blame. If everybody would just do their job, if everybody would just do what they said they were going to do, right? Accountable people, they acknowledge the reality. This is the way it is. Victims, they have personal excuses. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility. It's not my fault. Accountable people, they seek reality and they want to know what's happening. Like, I need to understand what's happening in this moment. Victims, they wait and they hope. If it was meant to be, it'll happen. And that's their attitude. So I would ask, are you an accountable person or are you a victim? In those moments, are you asking yourself, what can I do? Are you saying to yourself, if it's meant to be, it's totally up to me. This is the way that it is and I'm going to move forward. Figuring out what's happening so that you can find a resolution. Or are you placing blame? Are you not asking questions? Are you blaming it on everybody else? Are you hoping and praying that everything just works out? And I'll kick it back to you, Justin. Yeah, I mean, Amanda, you hit the nail on the head. I think what we're trying to do is give everybody a mirror, right? We all say that we have ambitions, but are our actions tracking to our ambitions? I think that's the question. So here's two case studies, you know, two situations in my life that were very difficult, but I'll, I'll give you some context into I had two choices in front of me and I could have made one decision or the other. The one at the beginning was that of the victim and the second was one that just recently happened to me. Now this happened over a decade, right? So it doesn't happen overnight and there's no expectation that you're going to be, you know, a, a professional in a day. Like I said yesterday, it's 1% daily over a lifetime, not 100% in a day. So be 100% committed to the 1%. So back in the day, before I was in real estate, I was in hospitality. So my mentor owned a chain of restaurants. They were the spot to go to. I'll talk about that another day in terms of what that lifestyle choice was like. Bouncer, I was the DJ, I was the bar back, I was the bartender, I was the manager, ran the internship program. I ended up working up to marketing coordinator for the entire company, right? So this was franchises in our city, in states. And then there was a GM position that was coming up and I thought I was a shoe in. I bled for the company literally. And I had put in all the work that you would think I would have to do to get to that position. And a gentleman got selected above me because of what I at the time blamed on politics, right? They chose a friend over somebody that I thought deserved. Now, mentality that I have now, and this goes to what Amanda just said, you know, there's a book by Jocko Willing called Extreme Ownership, where it says, like, if it didn't work out with an employee, your fault for not setting expectations or training them, right? Or, you know, you didn't get that listing, maybe your presentation wasn't right, or you didn't get that deal closed, work on your sales skills. It's all an opportunity to grow. So instead of taking ownership and saying, maybe I didn't verbalize that I actually wanted the position, or, you know, I didn't spend enough time developing relationships, whatever, I blamed politics. Now, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it put me in the position that I'm in now. And I'll give you another case study. So our organization sells a lot of real estate. Sometimes people look at the stuff I sell and they think, oh, you know, my list is too small for you. The ninth home that you're buying first or a five or $10 million deal, I'm going to treat you with the same level of respect because we all deserve respect. And I think that was ingrained in me in the service industry. Um, case in point, if we're out for lunch and you disrespect the server around me, you're probably never going to earn that trust back. But that's a separate conversation. So we listed a condo, three young guns, they bought it, they flipped it before they met us. It was a little bit of a challenge. They wanted to put, I don't know, 70 or 80 into it. So between three people, a decent profit. Issue was 
they didn't have any comps to justify the 500. The market was hot, but they were really late to doing the actual renovations for the property. I ended up getting into market. We talked pricing strategy. We actually priced ahead of the market because we weren't seeing multiples. Ended up setting a record for them at 450. But after the deal was done, the buyer wouldn't close. Now we actually revived another deal, got another buyer to the put out the problem before it was a problem. But here's the issue. We ended up after it was all done, getting a call from them and they were very disappointed because they felt we didn't communicate the options when the second deal came to the table. They felt our pricing strategy was wrong and we missed one critical thing. We didn't put a sold sticker on it the day after it sold and they were super proud of it and they were kind of disappointed. Now I could have blamed them. I could have said you did these things wrong and my pricing strategy is right and I sell a lot of houses and I know what I'm doing. You want to see what it looks like? Com slash a. We're losing you, Justin. Oh no, Justin! Can you hear? We're losing you. I think we lost him. Uh, can you hear me now? Much better. How about now? Hey, Justin, you've been going All right. in and out so, a lot. Uh, okay, so where where was the last clarity point? I'll just catch up from there. You should have put a sold sticker on it. There you go. So what we did was I could have blamed them, right? I could have said they did all these things wrong and you know we did our job perfectly, which in my opinion, our system is very refined. But Vic and I sat back and what we did was we did what's called an AAR, an after action report. What did we do well? What did we do wrong? What could we improve on? And what we identified was our communication, we took it for granted because we worked with so many investors. We figured they understood the language and that they, they knew we were looking out for their best interest, right? But we didn't communicate that to them. The sold sticker, that's a very simple thing that should have gotten done the next day or we should have texted them saying, hey, we're going to get it tomorrow. Problem solved. Pricing strategy, we should have shown them more data, right? So I ended up having a conversation with them. We made things right. Like we, we ate crow and took ownership. We had a very transparent discussion. And you should see the dynamic shift in that relationship because we were honest with ourselves versus defensive, right? So Amanda, I think what you spoke to earlier about that mindset shift to me, I was thinking of those two stories because the clarity of purpose and the joy that I have and the freedom I have being in that piece of being able to look at myself and not get pressed about the fact that, you know, I got to tweak a couple of things is allowing me to become a better human being. And I think that's what this conversation is all about. So I'll toss it back to you, Amanda. Well, and I think you just gave two really great examples of a book that has literally helped me in my leadership. It's one of my favorite. It was written by John Maxwell, and it's called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. If you are somebody that's deciding to be a leader, whether it's a leader of your life, a leader of your family, a leader of your children, a leader of an organization, it really doesn't matter. If you want to be a leader, you have got to have an, a massive toolbox of questions. Because most people don't ask questions, and unfortunately, you cannot unpack answers or get the answers that you're looking for if you don't ask really great questions. So if you don't hear anything else from our segment this morning, I would say get really good at asking questions. You gather a question bank. And I did an exercise because a mentor one time told me, she said, well, she asked me, she said, if you got on an airplane tomorrow and you grab your seat, you put your stuff in the carry-on luggage compartment above, you put your seatbelt on, and you're all settled in, and then all of a sudden, you look to your left, 
and Oprah Winfrey is sitting next to you and you've got an hour and 45 minute flight, what would that conversation look like? What questions would you ask her? And it was such an aha moment for me because I'm like, I'd probably ask her the same questions everybody else would. How, tell me about your journey. Like, no, I want powerful questions. If I get an opportunity to sit next to Oprah for an hour and 45 minutes, I want that to be one of the most meaningful conversations I have. And it, and it, it was an aha for me because I realized, like, I don't have a really big question bank. And with people, you have to dig deep with them. Most people are not vulnerable. They don't like to be vulnerable. They don't like to be transparent. And they're not forthcoming with all the answers. You've got to be able to communicate with them on a level that really opens them up. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you have really great questions. This goes for the relationships in your life. This goes for employees if you run an organization. And sometimes you will have to dig so deep, like you dig to a level that you just feel like you can't go deeper you can't go any deeper. That all stems from the questions that you ask, though. So I think you gave really good examples. And what I took from your stories were, did I ask the right questions? Did I ask the right questions? And secondly, did I set expectations? And clearly, somebody in that relationship in both of those examples didn't think that you did. So what questions am I asking if I don't have a good question bank? Where, where am I going? What books can I read? Who can I surround myself with that asks really great questions? And that's what I've got for you, Justin. Oh, did we lose you? Justin, yeah. can you hear me? Ah, there you go. So many things. That... Nope, you cut out again, my friend. I'm still Like we have fear 
we have fear of that. And the first thing that comes to our mind is, oh my gosh, what if I send a message and like they don't respond? Or what if they're not receptive to what it is that we're, that I'm saying? Or, you know, what if they don't reply immediately? Or I can see they read my message, but they didn't write anything back, right? So we automatically go to these extremes. Instead, why don't we think just what's the next step? Let me send a message. And if it takes them a day to respond, or maybe they don't respond with exactly what my expectations were of what that response should be, like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to decide that I want to branch out and connect with people. I want to know more people. I want to get into conversations with people who are doing things better than me. So I'm just going to do what I can control. And what I can control is reaching out to someone and sending them a message. And if they respond, that's great. And if they don't, that's not on me. I'm just owning my actions. I'm just owning what I'm doing. And I'm going to stay the course versus leading with fear because we go from one extreme to the other. I hope that makes sense. Justin, are you back with us? Yeah, I am. And I think this is a great example of it, right? Like we got asked last minute to do this. I would take a bullet for Will. So in a heartbeat, I would do this. But maybe next week I'll be at my office by fiber optic instead of driving by an airport, right? That's accountability. But I also think, you know, you're talking about success on connecting with Clubhouse and some of the conversations we had earlier. It's understanding that it's a personal accountability, right? Like people put a narrative on themselves. I can be sitting here freaking out, being like, oh my gosh, they hate me. I I bounced out, but you know what? I'm going to come back better. When I started my podcast, I didn't know how to stream in like 1080p. It looked terrible, but I still did it. I still showed up and I made tweaks. And now I have the grandmaster, Glenn Lundy, coming on today. And we're going to chop it up. And he's going to be in beautiful 4K. And we're going to have fun at 2.30 p.m. EST, which will be a blast. And I'll push everybody to go vote for the clubbies for the Breakfast with Champions. And the last thing I was going to say when I did cut out, you asked a question. Where do you find the questions? And my answer is here, right? Not only do I have tools for leverage like calendars and external brains, I think about the people that are around me, right? My inner circle, the people that are my mentors, the people that I see glimmers of beauty and tools that I want to put in my toolbox, and they're all here. You know, when we did Dr. Rowe's event a couple weeks ago, I think it was about a week and a half ago now, incredible what that conversation was like and the connections of the people that were across the planet and the tools that I got from that conversation about a topic I didn't understand. But Amanda, it's exactly what you said. True accountability is putting it somewhere where you're tracking the person that you want to be and then reviewing another beautiful thing I got from Clubhouse. What are you spending your time on and what are you spending your money on? So what I'll wrap my segment up with is what does your calendar look like? And what does your bank account look like? And I didn't even get that from my own brain. That came from this specific room. And I think everybody should start looking at their calendar a little bit more and should start looking for a place or a system of accountability, whether it's a black notebook or a pink notebook or whatever it is that you carry with you or whether it's a mentor or partner or group of people that you are telling them what you want to accomplish. I said in this room this morning, I'm aiming to build a global real estate brand and change the game easy for me to say that everybody in my industry says that but when i say that i'm going to be competing with the amazons of the world the reason i say that amazon can't scale people amazon can't do what i'm doing right now but now every single one of you is watching me and i think that is the beauty of it is if you get a group of people that truly want the best for you and you tell them what you want to do they'll be there to support you you got the wrong people in your life they're going to do everything to slow you down because they have an inner demon or something that is pulling them down and all they want to do is stop you from accomplishing something. But who are you truly accountable to? 
and what are you doing to move the ball forward? Is that, is that a nice little wrap-up segment there, Amanda? Oh, my friend, what you focus on expands, and I truly 100% believe that. So to wrap this whole segment up, are you being accountable in your life, or are you being a victim? Are you leading with fear, or are you taking ownership of what it is that you want in your life and your actions? So I'll tell you, I'll be completely transparent right now. Yesterday, Glenn mentioned that on the thousandth episode, he's doing a massive event right in his hometown. And I felt like a lucky winner in the audience because the date that he chose, November 5th, just happens to be my 35th birthday. So I am putting it out to the universe that I want to be at that event front and center, not only celebrating the thousandth episode of a room that has truly impacted my life, also though celebrating my 35th birthday with some amazing, incredible people that I get to listen to every single day, and hopefully we'll get to hug at that event. So be accountable, don't be a victim, speak it into the universe, and then own it, don't lead with fear. And with that, I'll kick it back to Glenn, maybe? Good morning, Amanda. This is Trevor Houston, and I'll be taking... Yeah, how are you? So good to see you this morning. And uh, you know what? I just absolutely love you and Justin, and I love your segment. And there's so many golden nuggets you can take away from what you were just talking about. And I will tell you, I can't wait to be at that thousandth episode with you uh, to meet you in person. That's going to be amazing on your birthday. How cool is that? That is exciting. Right? Right? That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. So, guys, I would like everyone to do me a big, big, big favor. If you can unmute real quick and give me a yay, yay for Amanda and Justin and all the golden nuggets they were just dropping. Let me get a yay, yay. That is what I'm talking about. We got to start this thing off right. Let me go ahead and reset the room in here for those just joining. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. My name is Trevor Houston, and this is Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. And we're live every Monday through Saturday, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this is your opportunity to get a seat at the table with those going the places you know you can go and doing the things you know you can do. Now, we don't see this with a clubhouse divider with a stage on top and an audience down below. No, no, no. Instead, we look at this as the world's largest breakfast table, full of motivation, education, inspiration, and even a friendly competition with the positive intention of pushing your momentum in the right direction. Now listen, we never want you to leave this room empty-handed, so you can go download The Morning 5 free ebook at themorning5.com. That's five steps to help you start your day and build an incredible, incredible, incredible life. So go download the morning five free ebook at the morning five.com. All right. So I'm super excited. As you can tell, I'm pumped up. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew <laughs> and I'm ready to rock and roll. We've been having a tournament up in here. I've uh, been doing this quest for the MVP and we've brought a few people up here onto the stage, some amazing human beings. I'm going to give some shout outs to our winners. We've had Amy Schmidt, uh, Deborah Anderson, Dr. John Agulu. Courtney Poole, and today I get the honor and privilege of interviewing 
or not interviewing. He's actually, he's taking it on solo today. He wants to do a presentation uh, like Danelle Delgado. He's going to drop some bombs. So I'm ex super excited to introduce to the stage Dustin Seidler. I hope I'm saying your last name. It's either Seidler or Seidler. He's going to tell me here in a second. I promise he'll tell you. Seidler. Seidler. Dustin Seidler. Okay. I get the honor and privilege of <laughs> introducing Dustin to the stage. And in his bio, he filled this out and he says, I am a burnt out paramedic turning to real estate. I recently started dreaming about two months ago, and it's been a long time since I had the vision that I have now. I feel giddy like a child, and I'm so thrilled to share my energy, motivation, and inspiration with everyone. So guys, if you can please unmute your mic and let's get a warm welcome for Dustin. Go, Dustin. Yeah, Dustin. Yeah, Dustin. Yes, you got this. Woo. Let's go. Thank you, Dustin. Dustin, Dustin, you got the stage, my friend. Take it away. Thank you, thank you. I just want to make sure everybody could hear me loud and clear. Yeah, we good? You sound good to me, okay. my friend. Awesome. Let's go. Thank you so much for the opportunity, for the space. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. You guys, this room has literally changed my life. I started dreaming again. I told Glenn that about six weeks ago. He recognized that and I was just so excited and I've just, I've literally been giddy like a child. And it goes back to when I was a child. I grew up with freckles um, and I was bullied. I was bullied because I had freckles, but I knew that I was being bullied for something else. I was different. I knew I was different back at the age of six. And I knew I had a different energy than everybody around me. And uh, one of the, young, the biggest memories I have as a kid is we'd, we'd chase ambulances and fire trucks and police cars. Every time they were going somewhere, my mom and dad would, I'd be like, chase them, chase them, let's go, let's go. And since then, I wanted to be a paramedic. I wanted to drive something with lights and sirens. And for the past 12 years, I have done that. And I, I grew up in a town of about city of about 45,000 people in the middle of nowhere for you in the States. I'll just say that. And um, I, I had this big dream of being a paramedic. And so I, the reason I did it is because I saw that there was a respect and there was a, a, a gratitude. And there was these people, these paramedics were helping people. I remember this lady falling outside of a, a hall one day and she had a like a probably like an eight inch gash on her leg and I, I held the band-aid there until the paramedics got there and I was like yeah this is what I want to do I want to help people and so I wanted to do this in my hometown where I could help my friends and help my family and, and I didn't get hired there I did my ride outs I did my practicum there but they said you're you're just uh, you just need to go and mature you're just a little bit too hyper for this service right now and I was so crushed because everything that I had wanted, I wanted to be a paramedic in my hometown. I wanted to be a paramedic for my, the junior hockey league team, the Prince Albert Raiders. I wanted to be there for everybody. And I wanted to just serve my community. And I got denied. So I got hired at this service about 40 minutes um, south of my hometown. And I worked there as a paramedic for three years. Two years into working there, I got taken on as a supervisor. And... Once I became the supervisor, uh, it was a couple months after, I, um, 
got brought for lunch by my boss. And he's like, I'm taking everybody out for lunch. And we're like, okay, this is weird. Like, he never does this. He's driving two hours to take us for lunch. Something's up. After the lunch, he sits me down on the bench and he says, Dustin, by myself, just him and I. Dustin, I've heard a rumor. And I said, okay. And he said, I need you to tell me the truth. And I said, okay. He said, I've heard that you're gay. And I said, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. And he said, I don't care whether or not you feel comfortable about talking about this. I want you to tell me the truth. And I said, Walter, it's none of your business. It is my business because this is my business. And people won't call 911 if they know that the person that's coming is gay. Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. Jeremy Downing here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Jean Paul Guidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Strasnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%. We went from 50 units to 75 units. We got a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I want to open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Right then and there, I knew I needed to get out. I got offered a job, a higher paying job. It was a great opportunity. I was crushed. I was being pulled further away from my dream. And now I'm working on a, 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 a work site helping people. I'm getting paid amazing. I'm getting able to travel. But I'm not doing what I want to do. So I realized, okay, I got I to get out of here. I got to go to Toronto. So I moved to Toronto. I'm super excited. I'm going to work in the municipal service. I'm going to work for Toronto Paramedic Services. And I'm going to live my dream of helping people. I won't know them. But that's probably okay because if I was having to save the people that I knew, it would have been even harder because I would have had an, a way to relate to them. So I get to Toronto, I go to a concert, and I'm like, see some paramedics. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to go talk to them. Hey, guys, what's up? I, uh, I'm a paramedic. How, how did you guys get this job? And the guy that I speak to says, oh, cool, what, what level are you? And I said, I'm a level three, which is one of the highest levels of a paramedic in Canada. And he said to me, I'll hire you right now. <laughs> I said, okay, that's, that's pretty generous. Thank you so much. And He's like, we are dying for ACPs to work for the, for the Blue Jays and the Raptors. We have no ACPs to work for the Raptors or the Jays. Do you think you can pop in these seasons for them? I was working at the field level and at the court level for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Raptors as their dedicated paramedic, the player paramedic. If they went down, I was going on the field. I just realized right then and there, I was not dreaming big enough when I wanted to be playing, being the paramedic for the Prince Albert Raiders, my junior hockey team in a town of 45,000. My entire city was now inside of a stadium watching the Blue Jays. And that is the amount of people, 50,000 people fit into the, 
to the uh, Rogers Center here in Toronto, and I don't even have that many people in my hometown. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not dreaming big enough. And I got excited. I got excited again because I got so depressed after being pushed so far away from my dream. And then I got hired on in the service, and I'm with Toronto Paramedic Service, and I'm so excited to be a paramedic in the city working in, in the uh, – in an uh, urban center, I've never done this before. It's amazing. There's people everywhere. It's exciting. It's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people. And so I, I got here, and it, it's a burnt-out culture. It, it's nothing like Saskatchewan. Everybody hates their job here. Nobody wants to be a paramedic. They're just coming for the paycheck. They make $100,000, and they get half the year off. That's the schedule. And so I, I wanted to – I had big dreams coming into the service. I wanted to be the chief, and that's, that's a big glass ceiling. But what stopped me was I was in the back of the ambulance pouring my heart out to this gentleman that was struggling with alcohol addiction, and I got made fun of for it. And I was – they said, you're trying to pour your heart out to somebody that is never, ever going to change. And it was so hard because I was like, this, this is just crushing me. And I, I still didn't know who I was. I, I still have not figured it out. I moved to Toronto to try and figure out who I was as well, as get a job here. And I, I still didn't know who I was, and I let, them, I let them kind of crush me. You know, I let them push me to the ground until I became bitter and angry. And I just remember that, like, there's got to be more to this. Why am I here? How come I'm not winning? And, and I, so I, I started, I turned to drugs, and I had a really bad experience. I uh, ended up in a, on, a, on a psychosis for a year and a half, and I was hallucinating and having paranoia for a year and a half. And I'm just letting you know that this is a trigger warning for anybody that's listening. In regards to suicide, and I was in the worst place, rock bottom of my life, and I was so close. I was at the countdown from 10, and I was on two. And at, the, at, at, at number two, I was like, what do I do? Do I jump off my balcony, or do I surrender to what, whatever life has to give me? And whatever it is, I do. And at that moment, at second two, I thought of my mom, what would least hurt my mom? And I said, I've got to, I've just got to surrender. And so I surrendered and I said, okay, you know what? This is it. And it was like that from that moment, uh, it was last, last January, 2020, that I finally had come out of the psychosis. I had agreed to go on a medication and just agreeing to that medication. I hadn't even started it and my symptoms dissolved and my underlying anxiety was still there. So I went on medication for that in August. And then from August to February, I had two of the worst calls of my career. One, I watched a lady plead with me for her life, and I could just see the joy that she had in living. And two, the second one was a man that was completely burnt from head to toe. And both of them pleaded with me with their eyes, and it was like, these are the people that I want to help, but I don't get to help. And so, like... You know, I, I, I was like, I, I need to stop. I need to get out of here. I, I need to take a break. This is crushing me. I was having nightmares. I was having flashbacks. I was diagnosed with PTSD. And, you know, 
again, I was struggling and, and just February, I was again, contemplating like, this is just, there's gotta be something more. And that's when I found breakfast with champions. That's when I heard alpha six. That's when I heard Glenn and his laugh. It makes me laugh. Even just thinking about his laugh makes me laugh. Can I get a mic clap for every, every time Glenn makes you laugh? <laughs> I love it. I love you, Glenn. And so, you know, I, I, I struggled. I struggled with depression. I struggled with drugs, uh, anxiety, hallucinations, paranoia, suicide ideation, all of it. But since I got back in here and since I took my leave of PTSD, I'm like, oh, my God, listen, I've been trying to serve myself. Why am I, what, what am I doing here? I need to start lifting others. And that was the message that Glenn gave me. And as soon as I started pouring into others, including my family, is when I saw the change. And I, I, I just, I can't even explain to you how excited I am to be able to actually listen to my family for the first time. And the only reason I was able to do that was because I loved and accepted myself. RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself, then how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. 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 And so I, you know, I just, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm going to be North America's top-selling realtor, Justin. Let's go. And... Uh, you know, I, I look at my vision is to get into real estate, to be motivational speaker, and to um, when I when I sell somebody a house, I'm not just going to sell them their house. I'm going to sell them a whole new life because why? I've had that mortality movement, and I just want to hit them with the feather. I don't want them to be hit with the stone that I was hit with and knocked to the ground. And so my challenge to you today is just to never give up don't ever lower your standards don't let those bullies push you around and tell you oh you tried to pour into that guy that's never going to change no you are going to change that you know why because about a year after she said that to me this about 35 year old female came and knocked on the ambulance window and i said hello and she said hi she said oh my god i've been looking in every single ambulance for you and i said oh she said, do you remember me? And I said, no, I don't. I'm so sorry. Can you, like, I see a lot of patients. We, I, I, I've seen thousands of people. And she said, Dustin, she knew my name. Dustin, you poured into me one day. And since that day, I have not had another sip of alcohol. And I was so relieved. I was like, look, like, this is... This is it. But at the same time, I was already done with, like, you know, I, I felt done with the job. Like, I knew there was something more. And I'm, I'm just so happy to share that because I never quit and because I never gave up. I continued to push, to push, to push, to be my best and to keep dreaming. And I have to give it all my love to Bill Hauser because this man is like, I don't care how big you dream. Just dream as big as you could possibly imagine. And he's yelling at me. I can feel it. And I'm dreaming. I'm like dreaming about being a billionaire. I'm dreaming about changing the lives and motivating the hell out of people on international stages. 
And I'm so, so excited to be here sitting at the table and sharing my message with my friends and my family in this chat room right now, all across this world. There are people tuned in from all over listening to me here. And I'm so grateful. And, and I just hope that no matter where you are, no matter who has knocked you down or how you've fallen, just continue to get back up. Because when you win, the world wins. My name's Dustin. I'm from Toronto. And I'm going to hand it back to you, Trevor, for some Q&A if, if that's a thing. Oh my goodness, Dustin! Wow. Okay, guys, can we get a mic? Uh, a flag? Actually, you know what? Unmute your mic and let's give him a round of applause. You know what I'm saying? Oh man! Amazing! Okay. Justin or Dustin? 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 My man. All right, and, and also, guys, let's do him a favor. Uh, do me a favor. Blow him up. Go to his profile. He's got that suit looking fly. Uh, man, looking so good. And uh, I want you to just blow him up. Follow him. Ring that bell because you know what? It's going to help him to experience some more rooms inside Clubhouse. Get that message out there because that message is powerful. You said in, in your little bio that you were uh, feeling giddy like a child, and I feel that giddiness uh, you you took me through an emotional roller coaster with your speech, man, and, and your story and your journey. Like, like I'm feeling giddy, just the energy. Man, that was awesome. I appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Why, why don't we do this? Why don't we open it up? We've got just a couple more minutes in here. If anybody would like to uh, chime in on Dustin um, or ask him a question or, or comment or feedback or anything, uh, please flash your mic, and, and uh, that way I can call on you real quick. Uh, I see Rodney. Rodney, good to see you here. Um, you know, thanks for being with us today. Wow, wow. I was sitting here just, uh, you know, Dustin's our friend. He's part of the Rise and Grind Men's Elite, and he has been inspiring to us over the last couple of weeks. And and uh, just to hear the full story of, of his life, man, it's just it's so inspiring for such a young fella too, and uh, it, do, it doesn't say, matter. I was just age. gonna say that's not the full story. This is just the beginning. Exactly, exactly, Dustin. I just want to just commend you, man, for having the courage to share and the courage to 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 make it, you know, make a change in your life and to to act on it. Because so many people are sitting here listening with the same type of desires that you have, but they're not acting because they think they're not they're not ready, they're not worthy and those things but like like uh Glenn's dealing with this week one one man one person can change the world and you're you're uh, an example of that. You changed that woman's life even though people were laughing at you. People were were uh were not supporting you in that, but you did it and you didn't even realize the ripple effect of that. So I'm so glad that she was able to share with you and let you know, because that was the the thing that you needed to hear, to know that you are making a difference. And not only did you make a difference in that woman's life, you made a difference in a lot of lives today, including mine. And I commend you for it. Keep doing what you're doing. You're awesome. Bless you. Thank you, Mr. Hatfield. I appreciate you. 
This is Tony Mo. I just, I got the Loud House over here, but I just wanted to chime in and just pour into you and tell you thank you so much for sharing your story. And yes, it did resonate with me, and I really appreciate you for being brave and doing so. And good luck on your realtor journey. Um, this is Dr. Connor. Yeah. I just wanted to just say as well that, like, they say that responsibility has power, and I think with your story and with everything, you definitely come across as extremely genuine and you're going to help so many people I agree with I think it was Brian that said there Sir Gadget, this is only the beginning of your story um, and the time frame as well I was reading something you know we've all heard of Abraham Maslow and the psychologist and the basic human needs of air food drink, shelter etc and you know in the last year year and a half with all this going on, air has been the thing, isn't it? Respiratory disease, whatever's going on with COVID and stuff. And we've all been told to stay away. The first thing was stay away, two meters, etc., etc. But a lot of people broke that because they needed to be near people. And this this whole thing like was anxiety for people at the very start. And what you've done there is I think is you've played off your own anxieties. You've come out, you've turned around things and you've given air to people. And you will give more air to people in the future. So I just want to, you know, as I say, give you flowers and keep going, my friend, because you're going to make it big in this world. You're going to help pay forward, I think, all the bad things that have happened to you. You're going to turn it around for people. And that is, I think, where true power lies. So I know you'll have that responsibility. And as I say here in Ireland, fair play, my friend, the Golden Dr. Khan. Thank you, Dr. Hey. Khan. I appreciate that. Hey, Dustin, it's Lauren Lavender. I'm right under you to the left. Um, and I just have to commend you. Your strength is very contagious and it resonated with me. So I wanted to say thank you for that. But I really wanted to touch on something that I thought was, was really ironic where you said that you have this childlike giddiness again. And it, it goes back to when you wanted to be a paramedic and you wanted to do the thing and you wanted to help people and it was taken away from you, but you got back to it. And I wanna commend you for that as well, because a lot of people, they push back on their inner child and they push back and say, no, 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 no. We're not even gonna try again. We're not even gonna do anything that makes us happy anymore. We're just gonna go make the most money. We're just gonna go do something else because the inner child wasn't working. I love that you corrected your sales. You even changed a ship and went into real estate. And you said, we're still, going to cater to that inner child because our inner child always leads us in the right direction so i want to commend you for that thank you for being you thank you for your strength and thank you for being here today this is lauren lavender i'm done speaking thank you thank you thank you so much yes that 100 percent is the giddiness that i feel and like that is what i got back to and i have to thank this room for getting me back there this room is the reason i am here and honestly I, I also have to give gratitude to God because <laughs> yesterday I was, okay, right before I went to bed, okay, God, wh whatever it is you want me to speak on tomorrow, I had a couple of speeches prepared, whatever it is you want me to speak speak on, you'll, you'll tell me through my sleep in, in the morning. And then Glenn comes yelling at me this morning in, in Rise and Grind, yelling at me. I'm like, this is, he's speaking to me. I know what I need to speak on now. And so it was just, you know, I manifested that and I'm just so grateful and I'm grateful for the inner child and I'm grateful for all of you. Dustin, this is Brandy. 
Hi, Brandy. Hi. I just wanted to say thank you for telling your story. Um, I might get a little emotional, but my son came out to me this year, and I was so proud of him. And his friends were really um, accepting of that. But you're going to be such a great role model to boys like him because I want him to know that he can achieve anything. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I was the mother that I knew I could be for him to come out. He's 12, by the way. Um, and I love please your story. Connect, please connect him with me. I'd love to, love to connect him. I will. And um, I've had this dream for years. I'm starting a, a nonprofit where, um, for me, it was helping women. I went through child abuse, kidnapping, all kind of things when I was younger. But um, he was sitting with me one day, and he said, you know, Mom, maybe we should also have weeks where, you know, kids like me can come and we can all talk and, and be open with things like that. And the minute you started talking, I thought, you know, how what a perfect op opportunity for you as well. Just someone like you to come in and say, you know, keep driving towards your dreams that you can do anything. So I'm definitely going to stay connected with you, but thank you for sharing your story. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. That's so touching. Dustin. I appreciate you. Yes, Alana. Yes. Good morning. Good morning, champions. I just wanted, I had to jump in here and tell you that um, your light is shining very bright and we are overcomers. My dad, um, he, he did suffer with mental illness. You know, he had a lot of, a lot of stuff going on and I seen him in his struggle and he, he kept trying to overcome it. But, you know, it was just, we, we just don't know, but here I am now. I'm his ceiling, you know, and and I, I got to see what he went through in his life and I'm studying neuroplasticity and, you know, how how to be the best version of myself and getting in this room with, with you all, you know, and you're, you lifting, you're lifting us up with your testimony and being strong because we are overcomers. We can make a difference. We can't, we have to go through the trials and the tribulations, but they didn't come to kill us. They came to make us stronger. I mean, they could, if we looked at it like that, but you're an overcomer and I'm just, I'm just thankful for you and I'm praying for you and I'm uplifting you and you're just keeping on going. You passed your test, you got your car and you're doing it and you're all here talking about us. <laughs> and I just, I just thank God for that. It gives, it gives everybody hope. So just keep going and I'm looking forward to see what's coming up. Many blessings to all. This is Alana Rich and I'm just getting started too. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Hey, hey, it. hey. Hey Dustin, it's Brian Benstock. Can I? Can Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Hey, I just uh, the, the voice of reason here. Understand as you're going into something new like real estate, real estate sales. Understand it's you're gonna have your ups and downs, brother. And you know, selling, selling is a really uh, great profession. It's 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 simply the best on the planet. You get to meet incredible people, make a big difference in people's lives. But you know, a a good understanding of selling is a, a good portion of that game is rejection. And I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't say, hey, you know, we've got to make room for that and understand that there, there are ups and downs in selling. And rejection is a part of the game. In fact, that's how you get to where you got to get to. And I just wanted to share that with you. And, uh, you know, we, we've got a pretty good background in selling. And if I could ever be of any assistance to you, it would be my pleasure and privilege to to assist you there. Wow, 
thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Dustin, Dustin, yes. Dustin, Dustin, Dustin. My I'm man, listen you, here. Dustin. Dustin, you are just lighting up the room. And I got to say, you know, one word, just impact, right? Your story has this ripple effect. Uh, literally, you're impacting people all over the globe now. You came in this room. You, you, you stepped up to the plate, right? We did the tournament. Right, with the the quest for the MVP, you rose your your hand. When I asked you to raise your hand, you raised it. You got up here on stage. You got out of your comfort zone, and now you're making global impact. So I just have to celebrate you today. And guys, if you can all go connect with Dustin, like go right now, follow him, blow him up. We need to get him and get that story and that message out there so that more people can hear it and he can make a bigger, bigger, bigger impact out there on this globe. So Dustin, we appreciate you. Can I get everybody to unmute your mic real quick and give me a yay, yay for Dustin. Dustin, my man. Who's that? This is Kataz. Kataz, I'm wearing a little hat like Robert Townsend from back in the day. Uh, yeah, Dustin, I just want to say, man, um, so I have a channel. I would love to interview you if you was good with it. I'm real Roku on Amazon TV, man, and uh, I'm going to inbox you, um, DM you or whatnot, and see if you, um, uh, you want to do that because I think your story needs to get out, and I think it would be a wonderful story. Uh, forget the noise. I'm at my job. <laughs> I would love to. Well, I would yeah, uh, I think it would be wonderful um, to put your story out, man. Dang, now that's a connection right there. I knew I brought the cash up for a reason today. I knew it. I saw it. I said, some, for some reason, he's got to come up today. He, he's got to come up today. I just know it. I can feel it in my bones. Just, Dustin, proud of you, my man. Proud of you. I know you've been fighting that good fight. Uh, your light, your energy, you're stepping into it. You're embracing it. I do want to point out, you know, one thing that when you were, when you were speaking, when you said that that man had the audacity to say to you, to say to you that someone is not going to call 911 if they know the person that's coming to help them is dead. When, and I mean, oh, I got so mad. I want to look that person up right now. I want to I track them down, and I want to I put them in a position. I want, I want to hurt them. <laughs> I want to hurt them and put them in a position and say, and say, okay, here's the person that can help you. Do you want his help now? Do you want his help now? Because I guarantee you, ain't nobody, ain't nobody turning away help because of your choices and your who you are and your unique God-given person. Ain't nobody turning that away when they need help. So the audacity of that man, I guess it was a man, the audacity of that man just really fired me up. So I appreciate you being authentically 100% you, sir. And I am so grateful. You make my world better. You make my life better. And you make this room so much better by coming in and shining your light today, brother. So you helped us all. Your mission has been to help. And you did so today. So thank you, sir. Amen. Amen. Glenn, I was thinking the exact same thing when he said that. I was like, look, if I'm hurting, I don't care. Like, you come fix me. All right. I need the help. <laughs> I'm hurting. I need somebody to come fix me. I don't really care. As long as you're qualified, like, let's go. So uh, I, I totally agree with you there. Guys, one last thing before I hand this, this mic over. Um, 
I'm the host of the Who You Know Job Networking Show. So if there are any job seekers out there right now, anybody that's looking to level up their career, make a transition, a pivot, uh, trying to get back to your cash flow, I want you to hit me up in the DMs or go to my Instagram bio. We have a uh, summit. It's a free training that you can come and I'm going to teach you some ways to get noticed in your job search. I know it's hard out there when you're applying online uh, and you're just getting ghosted by employers. So come connect with me, and it'd be my pleasure to serve you. Uh, now, without further delay, I'm going to hand it over to the one and only Alpha Six. Hey, thank you for that, Trevor. Outstanding segment. And Dustin and everyone like Dustin who's ever believed in themselves, in spite of all odds, this intro is for you. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, would you capture Man, that song when it came out in 2002. Can I tell you the lightning I felt shooting through me? Because at that moment, I was dreaming of being the person who I later became. 2002, now mind you, we're in 2021. 19 years ago, I heard this song. And as I was listening to you this morning, Dustin, it really reminded me that every single one of us, truly on the inside, even in a place we don't allow people to see sometimes, we want to be free. We want to be free of this idea that we have to play small. We want to be free of the idea that we can't be who we are, that we have to act a certain way with certain people. We have to be rejected for things we don't control, like who we love, what we look like, where we're from, the choices we didn't make. And yet, when I heard that song, he said, you better lose yourself in the moment and own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. That was your shot, man. And you surely didn't let it go. Now we know your name. Now we know your story. Now we will go tell your story on behalf of you. And then when others see your name, they'll want to hear it directly from you. Someone just invited you to say it in front of even more people. I am positive. Your direct messages are full of messages saying, hey, come tell it over here. Why? Because it's the story of us. It's not just the story of you. We've all been in places where we felt like our one unique thing that actually made us different and special was somehow a hindrance in that place. We've all been in the place where we were the only one, whatever that one is. Maybe you were the only woman. Maybe you were the only one from a certain culture. Maybe we're the only one like you in your family, the one who dreamed bigger, who wanted more, who decided to leave. So the question is, are you willing to lose yourself in order to find yourself? See, the self that we got to lose sometimes is the one we never decided to be. Is you remembering the story of your life instead of remembering your life, your direct experience of your life? Versus the one you were told, oh, she doesn't do that. Oh, he's not that way. Oh, he's shy. She's shy. He doesn't like that food right there. And you start remembering what people told you about who you were when you grew up. You remember what they showed you the world was like. 
And then you went away. Maybe you went to college. Maybe you joined the military. Maybe you flew across the whole United States and landed in California where no one acts like the people you grew up with. And then you stayed a while. You went from being a visitor in a foreign land to becoming one of the people, a Californian. Maybe you moved to another country. And you realize everybody doesn't hate the people who look like you, talk like you, walk like you. Some of them love you. They have whole sections in town where people celebrate all day long, every day. There's no need for a pride day or a pride month. It's a pride year where you can just be yourself and not feel like you are anybody else. You got to love those places and the spaces. But this is, at Breakfast with Champions, one of those places. Ain't that right, Glenn? We're one of those places where you can be exactly who you are. Some of us are more intense. That would be me. Some of us are more chill. Some of us are like, hey, let's do it. We got to do it right on the thing. Right? This, that's me right on. Let's calculate. And other people are like, let it slide, bro. And it's learning how to move into balance by being around the different people. See, if we were all alike, we don't all need to be here. If we're all the same person, we don't all need one person gets kicked. If everybody's a millionaire, nobody's a millionaire now, right? When you live around people who got it, they don't worry about what you have. And when you're around people who don't have it, they're always worried about what you got. So you got to ask yourself, which environment do you want to be in? The one where everyone says we must unanimously be one person as if the creator of all things. I don't even know if there's two stars in the universe that look exactly alike. I seriously doubt it. I doubt there are two planets in the universe that look exactly alike. I can look down at my fingertips and know even just that part of me alone makes me different. However, when I go to the hospital, as it was just stated, if I'm hurt, the fact that I'm human means you can help me. The fact that you're human means you can help me. You see how I said that? The fact that I'm human means you can help me. And the fact that you're human means that you can help me. And if the roles were reversed and somehow I needed to help you, guess what? Same thing. Because underneath these veneers, underneath my height or my shortness, my weight, the same bones, the same nerves, same heart, same brain, the same structure underneath, though the outside belongs to us. I was speaking to my daughter yesterday. I said, sweetheart, you know if we shortchange the world, we shortchange the world. It's not us shortchanging ourselves if we don't show up. Because, see, somewhere in the middle of all of this creation, way, 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 way beyond the stars, there still was a moment in time where that same creator took the time and the essence to design you. To dream you up of all the atoms, place you so magnificent that you can grow and grow and grow. And then, after all of that designing, left one thing for you to do. Imagine your self now remember when you imagine yourself who imagined you first there was no cap there was no ceiling there was no limitation when you were imagined so as you imagine yourself remember who imagined you there's a quote that says it's not who you think you are it's who you think you're not that's stopping you it's not who you think you are it's who you think you're not. Maybe you don't believe truly in your heart just yet. 
that you really are the song that's been singing in your heart your whole life long. But I ask you today, are you willing to sing along to the song that your heart is already singing? How many times has life shown you the same thing? How many times have you felt the tears well up in your eyes when you saw someone else doing the thing that you love and you loved it in them but couldn't find the love in yourself? Emerson said, the genius you hear and see in another person is the genius you have denied in yourself. Even the things we dislike in another person, it's the part of ourselves we're not willing to face and not willing to do something about. Why? Because we're going to be in the comfort zone. Well, I love the way David Goggins puts it in his book when he went to ranger school. He said, it doesn't matter if you are a general. It doesn't matter if you are a general. When you arrive at ranger school, it's day one, week one. And day one, week one means you get stripped of your haircut, of your ranks, of your ribbons, and you're just like you're in boot camp all over again. Now take a moment to think. If in your life right now, all the accolades, all the money, everything you've ever achieved, you still had to start at zero. That was one of the most magnificent things I loved about Clubhouse on December the 26th, I believe, 2020. As I entered this space, no matter who I am outside this space, no matter who knows my name, I get to start at zero followers, zero following. And I have to earn it. Literally, I have to speak. I have to show and prove every single time. You see, if you enter the next room from here, you may be a moderator in here. You may be whatever in here. But in the next room, you just enter like everyone else. Nobody's special. But think about if we approach each day like that. I don't get to show up to this day carrying all my yesterdays and all my trophies and living off the vapors of 10 80 something. See, today matters and today counts. Today is my opportunity because it is the gift called the present. The gift of you is the present for us. When you open your mouth to speak, when you tell your story, you know, in the middle of these stories, we think these stories are here to defeat us, to take us out, to make us think twice, make us wonder if we even belong. But later, we realize that it helps somebody else realize they weren't the only one. Now, I was watching this video by Michael Jordan with my daughter, and he said something very significant. It's easy to stand up and speak and be all polished. They say, how come you don't get nervous? Well, I prepare like crazy. If you could only see the 30 or 40 books stacked around my head, the five notebooks, the 17 pens, if you could only see me pacing back and forth for three or four hours, thinking about how will I say, well, does that connect to this, this, and this? But when the moment comes to say, I surrender. Before I do that, I go outside and I listen to the birds. And I say, God, not my will but your will be done. Please speak through me. Get me out the way so that I don't get in the way. Help me remember that somebody in the world has stopped what they're doing and taken a moment to listen and don't waste their time because time is essentially what we are living within. It may be a mind construct, but we still know we're running out. That's one of the prices of life. 
that it must end. And if it didn't end, we wouldn't quite live it just the same because we would know we have forever to do what we could do today, but never, ever, ever do tomorrow what we could do today. And one of the best things we could do today is live. Drake said it a long time ago, everybody dies, but not everybody lives. To be born, to be in a state of alive, doesn't mean live. To repeat the same day over and over like Groundhog Day. To keep showing up to the same places, fighting with the same people, complaining about the same job, is insanity. Why? Because out of all that design, out of all that engineering, this last thing was left to us, to imagine yourself. So Jordan said these words. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I led you to believe it was easy when it wasn't. Maybe I made you think my highlights started at the free throw line and not at the gym. Maybe I made you think that every shot I took was the game winner. My game was built on flash and not fire. Maybe it's my fault that you didn't see that failure gave me strength, that my pain was my motivation. Maybe I led you to believe that basketball was a God-given gift and not something I worked for every single day of my life. Maybe I destroyed the game. See, if you don't look in the moment, if you keep thinking that it's somebody else's fault, if you don't allow yourself to let go, if you don't let people see that, no, this isn't for free. This isn't easy. This isn't always rainbows and sunshine. He said it was failure. I can attest to that. Can you attest to that? Can you flash your mind if you failed and that's what pushed you forward? Can you flash your mic if it was the hurt, the pain, the grit, the thing that when they said you can't do it, you're going to fail, you won't make it, why are you going? When you were terrified, when you punched your ticket on that plane, when you landed in that place and you were the only one there? Mm. Maybe it was the day you came home and saw a piece of paper on your door that said you don't live here anymore because you believed. Maybe it was the lonely night walking by yourself under the stars saying, God, where are you? I see you everywhere, but where are you? Tell me where you are. And then you find this tiny little spark within yourself, your own very own piece of God. And the voice says, all creation starts from here. This tiny spark within you, this tiny little piece of God out of all of this universe that is big enough to do it. It's big enough to do it. It's big enough to do it. Whatever it is, you name it. You name it. You write it. You say it. You decide it. It's big enough to do it. It's big enough to make all of creation, all of mankind, the seas and the heavens, the stars, everything, everything, everything. What are you going to name this on the earth that's bigger than the earth that was created by the same creator? What are you going to dream that was bigger than you? Because it has to be bigger than you. It has to be for people yet unborn. 
And for all the ones who went through everything that all of humanity went through, the wars and the famines, the diseases and the floods, the chains, the shockers, the nooses, the incinerators, all of it, the marches, the bridges, the dogs, the hoses, the fire hoses, all of it, they went through and they stand with weary eyes, skin wrinkling, heart beating slow, unable to do some of the things we still can do today. And they look to us and say, will you go? Will you go where I can no longer go? Will you allow me to witness you arriving a couple steps past where we left you? Please don't start over. Because then my life had been in vain. The pains they endured that we could not imagine. We say, man, I lost my house. Some of these people who lived on this earth, the original man, had no home. They lived in caves. They stole fire from the gods and learned how to make fire in that cave to keep themselves warm. And some of them died anyway from starvation. You had to hunt down the bison with your bare hands. You had to whittle your sword with your bare hands. You had to make your clothes. You had to live together. You had to be a tribe. And if you didn't, you died. You died because you left your tribe. Now, the beauty of today is you can find your tribe. And if you're here in the Breakfast with Champions, I believe you have. You don't have to stick around and listen to those mumbling stories of who you can't be because they never woke up, because they never decided to get up. You don't have to. But if you choose to, then you chose to. But then you never arose to who you were supposed to. You're supposed to be somebody in this world. See, I told my daughter, I named you Shania Marie Jordan because I love that name. And I can tell you exactly what it means until you tell me what it means. The sweetheart is yours. When you finish your work, whose name's on the paper? Make it mean something. Let your name mean something so when it's spoken in rooms that you're not even there means something by itself. It represents you by itself like gave proof through the night that our flag was given. When you see the star-spangled banner waving, if you respect your country, you stop for a moment and you breathe deep. Say, man, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free to be me. I'm free to live. I'm free to be Dustin if I am Dustin. I don't get to choose who he gets to be. There are people who in foreign lands right now dealing with things you don't want to deal with. They may even be listening from there. And we salute them. Because they are the brave for the home of the brave. For all the countries in the world. There are people who were in hospitals last year when we were all trying to stay in our houses. Mask on in the house. Avoiding the plague. They were running towards the emergency room trying to save a life. They were the ones holding up a FaceTime to a family member who were all alone, head to toe looking like astronauts just to deal with other humans. There's brave people all around us. That's the teacher that when it first opened back up was willing to go into a classroom with half her students with glass cases around them and still teach, knowing that the future still depends on us whether we realize it or not. 
You see, gravity doesn't care if you believe in it. It doesn't even need the name gravity to be gravity. It's already there. And if you work with gravity, then you can play their game. It may be baseball. It may be basketball. It may be anything because as long as it's intact and moving without seas, you can live. But the minute it goes away, whoo, that's a bad day. That's a bad day for Earth. All the cars, all the people, the giraffes, everything's just floating to the sky. We see what happens to the rockets when it gets to a certain atmosphere. Incinerated. You see, it's designed for that. It's designed to keep you here, all your energy here, meaning you are part of the map. It didn't decide to make Earth without you. Now, if you are part of that map, meaning if you were not here, the Earth is not here, the universe is not here, you're such an integral piece to this whole thing that if you lower yourself, somebody else has to step up that much harder. Somebody has to step up that much harder. And I know for sure that we live in a world where most people are afraid. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60 year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% club and together we continue to work. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Just stand up. But I prefer to be more like Godness when he said, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me because I endure it all. And so far, just so far, my stats are 100%, meaning nothing that ever tried to stop me succeeded. And if you are here and I see you, then your stats are the same. Even in the midst of whatever pain you think you're going through right now, you feel you're going through right now, the ultimate loss that you could imagine, you are here. Just like on the map when you are at the big place and you don't know which way to go, just know that you are here. You have to start with the exact location because if you don't, the directions are erroneous. You can't get to where you want to be if you won't tell yourself the truth. You are here. And I'll tell you what here is. Here is the absolute. You were born absolute. You can die absolute. Or you can buy a carbon copy of everybody else. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember carbon copies, but they never look like the original. And the further down you go, you can't even tell what the original was. It starts to look like a blank sheet of paper. It's that yellow copy, the chicken copy, the one that lost its courage along the way. Because too many people told you who you were, who you were not. Let's not worry about those people anymore because they don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in and eliminate. So to find out who you are, let's eliminate who you are not. You are not what anybody told you you were. If they told you you were the greatest, that's cool and everything, but don't let other people tell you who you are. If they told you you were the worst, 
Well, that's cool and everything, but don't let other people tell you who you are. I want you to imagine a question that you can't even possibly answer, like Laura would say. And I'm a pastor, Laura, then I'm a pastor, Bob. What would have been the dream that was the dream of you if you were standing there watching? If you were to witness the dream that was meant to be you, when your creator created you long before your mother birthed you, what would have been that dream? Do you think for a moment that the creator of all things, the universe, took the time of all eternity to make you just for whatever it is you have decided to do with it? Only you know if that's true. It may be true for what you do. You may be living your dream. You may be as passionate as passionate can get. You may have only wanted to be a father or a mother, and you are doing that at the ultimate level. And if you are, on behalf of our creator, I say thank you. But if you know every time you see a certain thing, it makes your heart sick, then it's time to change that. This is a no-ranked universe. None of us are ahead of the other person. It is no respect for a person. The laws exist. If you follow them, have at it. There's no limitation. There's no sky. Where's the sky in outer space? There isn't one. We forget we are a part of what we see above the sky. We are in it. We are not above it. We are not separate from it. We are it. You are the universe. Do you know that? Because it doesn't exist without us. So don't let the desire for comfort rule you. And I'll leave you with this last thing. And I want to pass the Lord for a little bit about Imagineering, right? Imagineering is a Disney thing. They don't just engineer. They imagineer. What if you imagineered your life? What if you started at day one, week one, took out your sketch pad and snatched the rest of it off? And say, okay, that was cool. That was fun. But today, today, I will imagine it myself. And Laura has this beautiful thing when I pass it to her right after this that she could talk about. My father told me about the purpose of a gig line when he was in the Army. A gig line is when your shirt and your belt and your zipper kind of like all line up. He said it wasn't about the shirt or the belt or the pants. It was about being alignment from head to toe and making it all say one story. You don't want to have a really shaved beard in a wrinkled shirt. You don't want to have a freshly pressed shirt and your ribbons are crooked or your insignia is missing or your boots aren't shine. He said, your boots aren't shine for the people in front of you, the ones inspecting you. It's for the people behind you, the ones that's following you. So that you're setting the right example for which way they're going to go when they become you. He said, so when he said your gig line is crooked, he's saying that parts of you are excellent and other parts of you are not. And you need to fix yourself to make sure your life from top to bottom says the same story. Don't be great at your jobs and your kids don't even know your name. Don't be a great husband to the point where you're calling in sick because you're trying to get it in with your wife one more time before you go to work. You lose your job and be at home with your wife all day. Don't be so good at sports and watching sports that nobody can get a hold of you. And even in this case, don't be so good at speaking that you're terrible at listening. As a matter of fact, the only thing that makes you a great speaker is to be great at listening. So as far as imagineering, Laura, are you there? I want to talk about your cosmic arena. Yes, I am. Good morning, breakfast buddies. Hi, Alpha. All hey. right. So 
Alpha, we talk about can I, Alpha, can I say thank you quickly? This is Devin. As, as someone that's in the military and literally about to go into work right now, I just want to say thank you for what you said because, honestly, I don't, I don't hear that a lot on this app, and it really warmed my heart to hear everything that you said. So I just want to thank you really from the bottom of my heart because I, I felt that, brother. I felt that very much. So just wanted to shout you out and say thank you. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just really wanted to get that off my heart. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Devin. Salute. Appreciate you. Appreciate your service. Okay, so Laura, in this cosmic arena, right? We're imagineering ourselves. Yes, that's the way to go. So the cosmic arena, and if you want to interrupt me, Alpha, please, please feel free. So what I do when I train anyone to be their best selves is the idea of imagineering is dead on alpha because really you have to have an outrageous imagination so that you can help your subconscious mind create new pathways for you so if you just want to you know imagine mediocrity that's not really going to help because it's real easy to be mediocre in general but if we want to step into that level of excellence that david hawkins talks about which really helps us get closer to unconditional love we can use our what i call our cosmic arena so you can imagine yourself opening a cosmic door and stepping into your cosmic arena. For me, it's an arena because I love sports. And there's this place where I go and I do my best visualization because if you can do your visualization in a state of relaxation and perhaps in a state where you're connected to your alpha mind and imagine the most incredible, outrageous, wonderful examples of living life in a higher state, in a state of excellence, in a state of service, then it's more likely to happen because your subconscious mind just affirms whatever you say. I am you know, living my best life, yes, or I don't have any money, yes. Your subconscious mind is like, okay, let me go about fixing whatever it is you're thinking all the time. So Laura, in the beginning, and I played this record, Lose Yourself by Eminem, right? As far as this cosmic arena, is it important to separate yourself that you know to be, you know, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that, away from this place so that you are moving without limitation as you create what you're imagining? Yes, it's so important. I mean, it's even important each morning when you wake up to allow that 20 or 30 seconds when you've forgotten who you are to last as long as possible, which is what I do. I love to wake up and not know who in the world I am or where I am. I mean, I could be a, I could be a giraffe for all I know when I wake up in the morning. I have no idea what I am for those 10, 20 seconds. And as long as I am not sure who or what I am, anything is possible, which is why when you imagine and you stop thinking about who you used to be and you stop being who you are every day, you can increase and shift out of who you were and become who you're meant to be, which is already inside you, right? You're not going to get anything. You're just allowing that part of you, that divine spark to flow even more powerfully. And with imagination, we can really get there. Does that make sense, Alpha? That makes all the sense in the world. You said literally, as long as I don't know who or what I am, anything is possible. You know, there was a story about, let's say you were sleeping and you woke up today with all the problems you think are your problems, your circumstances, right? Except for when you woke up like Quantum Leap, it's an old show called Quantum Leap, right? This guy named Sam would wake up in other people's life in a different time. And it was up to him to solve some type of situation to get back to his own life. Only he kept waking up in other people's lives. Now, here's the thing. What if Oprah Winfrey woke up in your life? Will she still have your circumstances and problems by the end of today? (laughs) 
no way by the end of the day when she left the next day Laura be like hey ballin but like why don't I do that right because I had that opportunity to shift and like it is like a quantum leap and when you use imagination and you go into your cosmic reading and you see it happen not once but two or three or four or five times 10 minutes a day and you know this alpha if you repeat this version of life you can get out of any situation because we really have so much more power than we often realize Exactly. So, and I'm going to bring Barbara in on this, right? So there's a part in Neville's book, and if you don't know Neville Goddard, you should. And he talks about an awakened dream and that you must assume the position of the dream realized so deeply that you start to feel as though the world has become that world. This is a technique that Natalie Portman, her masterclass on acting, she talks about bringing the whole world inside you then rearranging the set to fit the world that you're acting from and act from there. So you don't act from the world you see already, you act from the world inside you. Meaning if in there you're wearing a tuxedo and out here you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, you should still walk like you're wearing a tuxedo. Hey, Alpha Six, there's that story in that book that I love the most where this guy wanted to go to Barbados and he kept, he said, uncle, I want to go to Barbados and be with the family. And he said, well, stop wanting to go to Barbados and just be in Barbados. I think it was Barbados. And uh, so he started to walk around and imagine the sun on his face and imagine being with his family. And he packed a suitcase. Next thing you know, some distant cousin or someone called up and offered him a free ticket. And he hadn't said anything to that person or to anyone. And it was really quite magical. So I've used that technique a lot. I just imagine that I'm already there and then something incredible shows up because God is so good. Thanks, Alpha, for sharing with Amen. Amen. I love that. I remember that he got the letter and and he went down there and how many times does that happen? And so, so Barbara, you, you there? Of course. This is great. Okay. So Barbara, right. When have you two, and thank you, Laura, and you're still in this conversation. I just want to, of point course. Out. Uh, <laughs> when have you used Imagineering when like the TV, right? When nothing around you at the moment is saying, I'm going to be on TV. Did you start to move and breathe and talk and dress and find the clothes that you would wear on TV and everything? That's, I just love this conversation. And the Imagineering is really sitting with me. Yeah, you know, I saw myself on television, you know, decades ago. And I imagined myself in front of the TV. And when, you know, um, Laura talks about that time in the morning where you don't know who you are and you're in that imaginative state. I could see myself and feel myself in front of the camera. But what happens to us so much is that all of a sudden our mind, our ego, our, our you know experiences step in and talk ourselves out of it. And it wasn't until, you know, I went through, you know, some challenges and the wheels fell off in 2015 that I really decided that if I got through cancer, I would go to at the other side. I would take that imagery and those dreams and put it into action. And I will say, I'll just to add on to what you guys are both talking about, this being an Imagineer, a, a magical Imagineer. And there's an action item that I think that we can all roll up in this conversation as we're imagining our best self. I love, I obviously hang on every word that both you and Laura say, because I not only repeat it in this room, but I repeat it throughout Clubhouse. But I love, Laura, that you are asking people to be them be their best selves. You're coaching people to be themselves, that, that, 
to be themselves, imagine them as their best selves. And a great way to start transitioning from imagery and dreamscaping is to write it down. And they, you know, you, their studies show that you are 42% more likely to hit your goals and your dreams just by writing it down. So when I'm hearing all of this, I want to also encourage people to take action. And one thing that I did, um, Alpha Six, to answer your question is I wrote things down. I read the secret. I wrote down in 2000, 2005 that I wanted to be on the Today Show. I wrote it down because I read The Secret and I watched The Secret and I was like, all right, if I'm going to go big, but to me, the, the big is going on The Today Show. I wrote it down. And more recently, I did a 28-day workshop with Gabrielle Bernstein and it was a 28-day um, manifestation journal journal exercise. And it, I just really went to town on writing all the things that I wanted to manifest and do. You know, my divorce was wrapping up. I, you know, things were... Things were moving forward, and not only did I write it down in this journal, but I want to share an activity that I hope this sits with somebody. This holiday season, I did a segment for the holidays, and it was gra it was about doing an ornament. And you get these empty ornaments from Michaels. They're like they're so cheap, twenty five cents a piece. They're empty, clear ornaments, and you have all your kids, all your family members write, "Do not open for the next." five years, you know, what, whatever, five, 10 years, you know, uh, I wrote Barbara Majeski, do not open until 2026 and, or 2025 at the time and uh, do not open. And then you all sit down and you write letters to yourself. And it is so magical because you talk about being an Imagineer. This is being an Imagineer and putting it into words. So you have something to reflect on. It and it was so magical for me. I wrote, dear Barbara, you know, look at you. You've gone to Capri and you're married now and you have a new last name. And I was so caught up in the magic of this letter of like all that I was going to accomplish in, in five years. And I encourage people as we're talking, I think somebody's mic is hot, which I am honestly the hot mic queen, but um <laughs> It's, somebody could just <laughs> we're looking i'm always I, I always see like somebody's like muted me but you know so this letter becoming an imagineer and actually putting 42 percent more likely to actually have those dreams transferred to reality just by writing it down and if you want to be magical just write it to yourself in the context of hey this is me in five years I was so lost in this letter. I was, I had to go to a second page. I wrote on and on and it's part of my ornament collection that I have. Now I am Jewish. My, my, uh, the father of my children is, is Catholic. We raised with both holidays. So it's a holiday ornament, but I just want to share that the, I, you may have heard me talk about it before, but I think transferring your Imagineer skills to, um, to almost exponentially accelerate these goals and your imagery and uh, your dreamscaping is by writing it down, writing a letter to yourself, popping it into an ornament or a time capsule um, is something that I just want to share. So thank you, Alpha Six and Laura, for including me in this dialogue. I'm absolutely um, taken away with it. So back to you, Alpha Six. Okay, so Barbara, I love that, especially with it being in Christmas time where there's just magical thinking already in the air. Right. We're already moving elves around and all that good stuff. Now, the beauty of Imagineering versus just imagining is that this is from animation. You know, before we had blank pages and pencils and coloring and that, that type of thing, you draw one and you draw one and you slightly change and you slightly change. And then collectively, 
right? It's animation. However, in this instance, your blank canvas is your mind. If you remember in, in the Matrix, right, when Neo is fighting Morpheus, he says, you think that's air you're breathing? Quit trying to hit me and hit me. What he was telling him is, you're not in your physical body. You don't have limitations. You don't even need to breathe. You don't need to try to do something inside your mind. You do it in your mind. You do it absolutely in your mind. Laura says, Laura, what's the million dollar shot thing? Oh, did I help the players shoot, uh, make a million points a game? Because if you can make a million points a game, then making 40 is no big deal. Right. So guess what? In real life, there's no way in the hell you're going to make a million shots in one game. However, it makes 35 seem like nothing. Right? Instead of saying, I want to sell out my local community center. My mind, I'm selling out the O2 Arena in London. Never even been to London. But guess what? I hang out with Ashley every night. I hang out with John Lee. Think about this, right? There's a day in Hollywood at the Judy Garland Hotel after a conference, sitting behind Paramount Studios. I'm talking to someone. And in the middle of talking to her, I say something. And she shows me her notebook from the conference. And she said, whoa, I wrote this down three hours ago. And it was almost word for word what I just said. And I didn't know her until 30 minutes before that. Right. And in the middle of what I say, have you ever watched The Secret? She says, yeah, I'm the executive assistant to John Asseraf. I said, what? And we kept talking and we kept listening and we kept talking. Fast forward life. I ended up in 2015, 16, helping with some of the programs. Fast forward one day, Glenn's interviewing John Asseraf right here. And he says, hey, man, I've been trying to reach you yesterday. Yesterday. He was calling my old phone number. And then yesterday, when I finished this audio for John, he says, hey, man, you want to come over this weekend for an hour or so, help set up some of this equipment, talk about blah, blah, blah? Yes, John Nasraf, I will come hang out with you. Now, how do we go from 10 years ago sitting across from the executive assistant to sitting across from him to picking up the phone like every single day? Why? Because you don't know what's possible. That's the point I'm trying to make to you. Even if you didn't write it down, if it's your destiny, it will call you. But the question is, will you answer? If it's your destiny, it will call you. But the question is, will you answer? So, Laura, when you were an athlete and you said, I'm going to be the first, were you going to be the first NBA player that was a woman? Not even I, I sure was, Alpha. I just hadn't met John Asaraf, you, and, you know, Les Brown yet. <laughs> so, with that being said, who do you, who do you coach today? Well, now I get to coach NBA players, and I'm possibly the first mental performance coach who's a female, and especially a black female, in the NBA. They're pretty sure I am, but, you know, there's always someone who got hired for a month and no one told them about the person. So, yes, so I got to be the first African-American, or does that even matter, right, the first woman mental performance coach for an NBA team. Thanks, Alpha. Okay, and when the, when the Clippers were down by how much, you said? I was part of Imagineering, a 31-point comeback. We had we were down 31 points, more points than had any NBA team had ever been down and come back, and we came back against the healthy Golden State Warriors team the year they were on track to win. And by the way, I'm not officially with the Clippers now, so just so y'all know, don't be trying to put that on me. Ricky Bobby.
Y'all would know if I was because we'd be heading to the next round. Also, because I feel that confident with imagination, right? I have every player imagine. They they go to practice after imagining being world champions. Every player that I work with, I create a hallway that where they have the world championship trophy and their all-star medals, and then they get to walk to practice or the games. And the couple of players that I work with are completely overachieving on that particular team and then around other teams. So you can really, quote, overachieve and go beyond your perceived potential when you start with, you know, the end in mind or the big thing in mind. Imagine that trophy, what it feels like. I make them go on Amazon and order a trophy. I don't get it for them. You go order a trophy for $12. It's a little fake replica of the O'Brien NBA World Championship trophy. You got to feel it and you got to do what Barbara said. You have to be so lost in the gratitude that you have tears falling from your eyes. Yes, exactly. So in in a short while, we're going to open this up. But this conversation between this little triangle here is for a reason. So we can see the actualization of these words, because these words alone are just words. They're just sounds. But when you have a picture and say, okay, Barbara, when you said, I'll be on TV, but what TV show? In what city in America? What What is the actual version that happened from the imagining before, Barbara? <laughs> Sorry, I lost my mute button. You know, I, I, and the funny thing is when you bring that up, when I got to the Today Show, I picked the Today Show. I loved Katie Kurt, grew up with her and Matt Lauer. Uh, just that, that you know, bing, bing, bing of the Today Show, the Peacock, like the whole thing was like part of, like, it just was iconic. When I showed up at the Today Show to do my first segment ever several years ago, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. I was, everyone's like, oh my God, were you nervous? Of course I was nervous, but I was so, there was nothing about me. I was like, I belong here. I have been here before in my mind so many times that when I stepped into that place, nothing surprised me. The feel of the place, nothing surprised me. And when the cameras went on, I was in my, I knew I was, I had already been there. I had already been there. So it wasn't awkward or uncomfortable, but it was just an experience that I had imagined. And I honestly, God said to myself, I'm like, I belong here. I was not an imposter. I was not a fraud. I was like, I, oh, I, I, I know. I was like, let's go. Camera's on. Let's do this. And um, it just was an, it's an amazing feeling because you do imagine yourself long before it is materialized. So, yeah. See, Barbara, I love that. I love that. I love that because a lot of people say they feel imposter syndrome when they finally arrive where they wanted to be. But you said, I feel like I've been there already and I belong here. And it's something about this, right? You didn't just arrive like Star Trek. They didn't just beam you up. You went through hell, like with a lot of L's. Like you took a whole lot of L's. (laughs) And then you hit that J curve and you went swiping up. And then when you arrived, you had the integrity, meaning you were built for it. If somebody would have took you straight from the dream to there, it would have crushed you. It's like going to space with no spaceship. The pressure is different. The altitude is different. The air is thinner. It's harder to breathe here. A lot of people stare at that mountaintop and say, you don't even have a Sherpa. You think just because you're dreaming, there's nothing growing on top of Everest. There's a lot of dead bodies on the side of Everest. 
But you know what? Some of us say either I'm going to make it to the top or I'm going to die on the side. But I'm going. Right? I'm going. I'm not standing in the valley. But what you're going to see when you get to the top of this mountain is there four mountains. See, Glenn knows this. There's a book called The Second Mountain. Your first mountain, that's all about me, 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 me. I, 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 I. I'm going to make it. But guess what? That second mountain, it's about us, 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 us. We, we, we. The whole world. Because you're going to remember the moment you were holding the limoleum, whatever it's called, linoleum, the stuff on the floor, the marble, the carpet. When the tears were falling and the ugly cry happened and you cried in the agony, you said, please, God, if you ever give me one more chance, I'm going to forget I even have bricks. I'm going to push this pedal so far to the floor, my car will be like a Flintstone car. I'm going through the floorboards. <laughs> I am gone. <laughs> Great image. <laughs> Barbara in the red right? dress in the Flintstone car. <laughs> I'm telling you, She's I'm going to... We, gonna, we on the Autobahn, right, with no speed limits in a car that can do it. You don't matter if you're on the Autobahn and the Yugo, but if you're out there in the Tesla with the ludicrous mode plus warp speed, meaning I'm out of here. I'm so fast, I can't get in my own way at this point. You, you feel where I'm coming from? I know you feel where I'm coming from. We don't got that. a lot of time, so let me open up a little bit before we pass it on. Alpha, can I say one 10-second thing? Yeah, go for it. Oh. So what we want to remember is that Barbara's imagination created a memory in her subconscious mind. So when she got there to, to Matt Lauer and Katie Couric, which that was my show that, you know, I'm like fangirling Barbara. She doesn't even know that. That the memory, <laughs> the subconscious mind had a memory of this, this place. So of course she was going to get there. It was a memory. So it made it a little easier for her, even though it was still a great big deal. So I just want to add that. Thanks, Alpha Six. Hold on. Hey, Barbara, watch this. Laura, can you say it one time? Well, that's the wrong show, but good morning, America. Did you hear that? <laughs> I like it. I love it. Please get her on that show so you can say it one time. Good morning, America. Okay, so with that being said, good morning, America. We have seven minutes. If you would like to add to this conversation, Barbara, please take it away. Oh, you know what? I wanted to see if anybody else wanted to add, uh, wanted to jump in. Flash your mic. Right. Um, Glenn. Where is the sky when you are in space? There isn't one. Mm. That blew my mind, bro. As soon yeah. as you said that, I've been stuck on it. Uh, the whole conversation has been amazing. And I've just been stuck right there. Where is the sky when you are in space? And it's crazy because I just recently watched a movie, a uh, Brad Pitt movie, where it's crazy movie. His dad's out there in like Jupiter or something. It's it's crazy. But the whole time, the majority of the movie, he's out there in space. And there is no up. And there is no down. There is no left. There is no right. There's no resistance. There's no friction. And And so when you said that, I just imagined myself in a place in my life where there is no up, there is no down, no left, no right, no friction. All there is is my mind and what I believe to be true about that particular situation. And so I'm just sitting over here like, thank you for that. Pondering, re revisiting every aspect of my life right now. <laughs> every aspect of my life. And that's what makes these rooms and these conversations so powerful. Alpha mentioned it earlier. We don't want to be in the rooms of people that think like us 
We don't want to be in the rooms with people that agree with us. We don't want to be in the rooms with people that look like us, that walk like us, that talk like us, because there's no growth there. But when we can get in a room with people that can think and can bring out something like, where is the sky when you are in space? That's when you know you're in the right room. This is Glenn, and I'm done speaking. I love that. We're so 12. <laughs> that was a mic drop, and I agree. Um, you know, when Alpha 6 said time is just a human construct, but we still need to live within the understanding that there's a beginning and there, the end, and that's how we fill that space. That That hit me. Who else? Go ahead and flash your mic. We only have five minutes. I know I saw other people that were interested in, in contributing. Um, TM. Hey, Barbara. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, Alpha 6, man. I mean, you always just uh, take us into a different place. You, you, you said, you know, learn it, speak it, you know, show and prove. But, but one of the things that stuck out to me was don't show up carrying, don't show up today carrying all of the stuff from yesterday. Wow. Right. I mean, wow, man. I mean, how, how powerful is that as a reminder, right, that we should just reset uh, and, and really embrace and appreciate the joy that comes in the morning, every morning. Right. Uh, you, you said, you know, uh, may, may God may uh, may your will be done. You know, God, may your will be done. Right. Help me to get out of my own way. I often say the same, like decrease my will, increase your will. Uh, specifically in uh, in business matters to make sure that we have the right relationships. Man, just so many gems. Uh, I mean, rubies, diamonds, pearls you dropped this morning. Uh, th- thank you for who you are. And uh, Glenn, thanks for holding this space. I'm TM Hyman and done speaking. Hey, TM, thank you very, very much. Like I said, if I'm out the way, whatever's coming through, I'm hearing it at the same time. Sometimes I'm writing things down like, oh, what was that? You know? And I, I just appreciate clearing it myself you can you can prepare to the utmost like down to the wire but you got to clear yourself out the way if you really want it to come through so i'm going to pass over to lolita real quick and then i'm going to close this out here lolita with a t this session can you hear me alpha no alpha can you hear me I hear you now. Can you hear me at all? Okay, good. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, no, no. When your chance comes, you got to be ready. Um, I'm running to the door where I am. But listen, this session right here was hashtag amazing, as always. And I don't know if anyone else could absolutely feel it. But like this session right here, I could feel it in my heart. Like when you can absolutely know and dream bigger and better and brighter than anywhere you've ever imagined. That's why it's so powerful to have a vision board, but not only have the pictures and the quotes up there, but literally imagine yourself there. How are you going to feel? What are you going to be doing? What are you going to be wearing? So Laura and Barbara and Alpha, y'all hit it on the nail. I could literally feel it. And that about being in space, right? In no sky. Where are your unlimited potentials? So I wanted to gift you guys what I call a be free creed. And I pray that you also agree that it's aligned. It's believe in your strengths and open your mind to now explore. Expect moments to have meaning, which will propel you to soar. Face your fears head on, yet hold them at bay. Then release what is not progressing you on today. 
Experience the unexpected, which you would normally let pass by, but then embrace the renewed you who is now free to fly. Be free. And I wrote that at the lowest moment in my life, the lowest moment in my life. And I vowed that I will always walk in my most be free space. And I encourage that today because it is imagining where you can be ever because it's unlimited. You are beyond your circumstance. So thank you guys so much for allowing me to speak. I appreciate you always, Alpha, Barbara, and um, Lauren. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you, Lolita, the doctor, Lolita, the poets. Right? Guys, come on. So come Laura, on. thank you so much. Barbara, thank you so much. See that little triangle right there? Right? It's not just a triangle. It's a. Let me tell you, the principles of a triangle exist even without the triangle. It would always be 180 and 180 will be nine like scott would say the math is already done you just got to live into it right the top of a triangle is called the apex for a reason and are you willing to lose yourself to find yourself because that is how the song going and, and speaking of top we are at the top of the hour it is seven o'clock so on that note You, Lauren, day five. Alpha, Laura, and Barbara, thank you so, so much. The power was there. I know it resonated with everyone. You guys literally raised the frequency today. So thank you so, so much for doing that. And ironically, Alpha, Lose Yourself is my walkout song. So I yep. have to commend you because the timing was epic. So thank you so, 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 so much for today. I'm especially grateful. Um, hi, everyone. Today, I want to talk about, you know, what Alpha, Laura, and Barbara were essentially talking about. Um, but most importantly, the, the theme, which is one man, one woman, one friend, one person can change the world. And so for me, I know that it is possible. I know that you can get where you need to be and you can answer your destiny and you can be in space with unlimited potentials. But you have to know when to ask for help because it's going to get really tough at times. And I know that most people on this stage have been successful because they have utilized a network of helpful people who want to see them succeed and get them where they want to be. So asking for help helps. It helps you. It helps the person you're asking. It helps everyone become the best version of themselves. And in fact, Research has proven that those who ask for help are more likely to develop relationships, improve their performance levels on any task ever, and become more resilient. It also means that those who ask for help are able to lean on the efforts of other people to improve their ability to get a task done and develop a growth mindset that improves mental health overall. So I'm going to give you an example from my life, and it gives you some clarity on why I've been successful so far in counting. When I was attending college at FIDM, which is the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, I saw the difference very quickly between those who asked for help and those who didn't. In order to build out a portfolio that you could take into the world to pursue a career in graphic design or visual communications or anything ever, it became really apparent that mastering the tools, both soft skills and hard skills, was going to be the deciding factor in those who not only got a job, but got a job doing what they wanted to be doing and having first pick from the job pool. For example, 
I am an imposter when it comes to art or anything visually pleasing. Even though I went to a creative arts school and graduated and created a portfolio and landed several design jobs, I still feel like an imposter when it comes to art. I'll be the first to say it. I am not one of those gifted and talented people that can look at something, whip out a cocktail napkin, draw a replica so perfect it could be posted in any museum or celebrity wall anywhere, and it's called art. I just can't look at something, understand how to translate to a medium like paper, Photoshop, Illustrator, or anything. And for someone who made a living off of being visually creative and producing beautiful things, I didn't get there by being talented. I got there by asking for help and working on everything and anything to better my craft. And I figured out very quickly that I had to work twice as hard as my gifted colleagues if I wanted to get out of this thing alive. And I'll never forget the day I met Caitlin. Caitlin was one of those talented people. She's one of the most talented people I've actually ever had the pleasure of meeting. She oozed talent. She had the entire package. She was covered in gorgeous tattoos that she actually designed herself. Her makeup was always flawless. She had a very distinct style where you could tell she handpicked and handcrafted each article of her wardrobe to be in touch with her inner emotions, values, and beliefs. She was so talented, you couldn't help but want to be around her to selfishly be around her greatness and collect some of her organic creativity. And when I met her, it was the first day of our two-year-long program together, and she sat right, right next to me in sketch class. Now, I was already immediately drawn to her creative nature, and when I sat next to her, I didn't realize that she was about to mic drop me in class also. Our teacher gave the lecture that all teachers do. He said, good morning, welcome, don't screw up, work hard, here's the syllabus. Then, to assess where everyone was in class in terms of sketching, he assigned what was supposed to be an easy exercise for everyone, considering we had all been accepted to this prestigious art school. And so he asked us to draw the person next to you in 15 minutes. Ready, set, go. I just burst out laughing. Me? Draw the person next to me? Oh, okay, here's a circle. Now I'll draw some lines that kind of look like a jawline. Okay, wow, how do you draw cheeks and contour face? Do I have to draw her tattoos also? Because that's going to be really hard. This is actually insane. I'm going to go down in history as being the biggest imposter to ever go into art school. And as I was fumbling to even hold a pencil right and burning holes into my paper from erasing and starting over for the 14th time in two minutes, I looked over at Caitlin, who was calm, collected. She wasn't even looking at me. Then I look over at her paper and I went, what in the actual world? She is drawing me, but it's like exactly me. Not like one of those Disneyland caricatures where you're like, oh yeah, that's cute. That's kind of me. It's also kind of the person next to me. It was like, holy shnikes, can I actually have this when you're done with it? And mind you, it's only been two minutes. I didn't even attempt to continue drawing Caitlin. With a mic drop like that, it was pretty obvious that I was meant to sit in the front of the room, visit office hours, and potentially hire 34 drawing tutors to help me just pass this one class, let alone succeed college. As I was watching her work, I saw just how head down she was and how she wasn't even looking at me to pull context or get sizing or placement right. She looked at me once, started drawing, and never came back up for air. The teacher yelled time's up and I sunk so far into my seat that I really thought that I was going to like implode. And the only thing that you could see was my head peeking over my desk as my body was sprawled underneath trying to hide. And I look over at Caitlin, she's got a complete serious masterpiece of me. And then she just went back to looking at her phone, reading the syllabus, spending zero time engaging with the rest of the class or the energy around her. 
Then the teacher asked us all to bring up our drawings and tape them to the whiteboard in the front of the room. I brought up my chicken scratches as fast as possible so that I could just get mine up there and over with. Caitlin slowly added hers to the board and we all walked back to our desks. Once everyone was back in their seats, I let out a huge sigh of relief. I was not the outlier in that room. Caitlin was. Hey champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. I was not the only imposter in this art school as someone actually turned in a piece of paper with an oval and arches for eyes and the arches were not even in the inside of the oval, y'all. Everyone immediately noticed the drawing of me and then Caitlin became that girl on The Bachelor where everyone hates her because she got the first kiss. Caitlin was now, she had this huge target on her back where everyone wanted a piece of her but also secretly hated her for being in first place. So our teacher looked at all the Mona Lisas, commented on the range of talent in the room, and to this day, I laugh at the way that he phrased it because it was quite a vast spectrum. And when he pointed to Caitlin's, he asked who drew it. Then Caitlin looked up, and with her hoarse voice, she just said, me, then went back to whatever she was doing, heads down. He asked about her background, where she learned to draw like that, who helped her, who helped you, who got you to do this? And I'll never forget, she just said, I've just been doing this myself forever, no one's helped me, and then went back down again. So fast forward, we go through our two-year program together. Caitlin carried her mic drop moments into every single project, into every single class, had every single teacher asking her how she does things, and having professors who had worked with some of the most successful companies like L'Oreal, Tom Ford, Chanel, all these people asking how she does things. But what I noticed very quickly about Caitlin was that she hated being involved with others. In fact, she actually didn't like collaborating or giving advice on any project at all and asked specifically if she could just do everything by herself. Now, when you go to an art school, collaboration is king. The idea is that in the real world, you have to do everything collaboratively, pull inspiration together, design iterations together, present concepts together. I mean, everything has to be trademarked to the end end of it. But what Caitlin couldn't do well was ask for help when she needed it. And unfortunately, she paid the price. So me, on the other hand, okay, I had zero people asking me how, he did, how I did things. And instead, I had every professor's cell phone number pinned in my phone because buzz, buzz, it's me again, and I need some more H-E-L-P, smiley face, emoji, heart, emoji, hands. I need to be at your office hours, please. I was creating study groups. I was staying up too late to get projects done. And that's when I realized that I needed to get really good at asking for help if I wanted to make this a career. I realized very, very quickly that the only way I was going to survive this art school was if I asked for help. If I even wanted a slight shot at living out my goal of being a visual designer, I needed to pull my hair back, grab a pen and paper for notes, and get really good at asking for help. Fast forward to graduation day, Caitlin had the most impressive portfolio I had ever seen. And on the last day of school, we have to pitch industry experts. So we literally have creative directors coming from every single creative job you could ever think of. And when Caitlin presented her portfolio, it was like watching Steve Jobs present the iPhone. You didn't care what it costs. You didn't care what onboarding this new person or tool was going to be like. You instantly fell in love and you wanted it now. Caitlin was phenomenally talented, but she worked really, really hard to maintain and sustain perfection. And ironically, at the end of the year, Caitlin only got one job offer, one. And it was from a company nobody had heard from. 
while the rest of us, including myself, who built our network during the year by hanging out in office hours and asking for help and making sure that our skills and network were on call at all times, we ended up getting a ton of job offers. So in fact, if you want anything in life, anything at all, you'll need to master the art of asking for help. Because what ended up happening is along the way, I started building relationships with professors who actually working at, at this college was their part-time job. And they had big girl, big boy jobs outside of that university where they were actually working for L'Oreal, Tom Ford and Chanel and these big household brands. And so by the time we all graduated, they already knew who they wanted to work with. They wanted to work with the people who needed to know, who, who knew how to ask for help, who knew who to go to when they needed something, who to pull things from, where to go to get things, who's going to work harder and smarter than anybody else. Talent gets you noticed. It doesn't get you a job. People don't care how talented you are if they can't work with you. If you are not a team player, if you don't master the art of asking for help, you will never receive it, you will never accomplish your goals, and you'll never be able to do the thing that you want to do. Goals are not accomplished by those who wait for it. Goals are accomplished by those who ask for it. Caitlin might have been born with a gift, but she was the outlier. Most of us just have to work really, really hard. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you get to be where you want to be. And the good news is people like helping people. We are programmed to do it. I know that when I help someone, I have the satisfaction of feeling like an expert, but also feeling flattered to help someone because they're relying on me to help them get from a place of doubt into a place of positivity and certainty. And according to an article written by Inner Drive, one of the keys to improving well-being is feeling connected to others and learning new things and asking for help. And now that I'm used to flexing these muscles on asking for help, it comes as second nature. And to sustain this, I give people the opportunity to ask for help should they ever need it from me. And I do this by allowing other people into my life and allowing them to see what I have to offer also. It's so critical to build relationships with anyone and everyone because you never know how you could impact them, how you could help them or provide value to them. And in contrast, the alternative of not asking for help is really not an option. If you're struggling to ask for help because you're afraid to be laughed at or seem like a fraud or to show weakness in any way, I want to give you some ways that you can start flexing those uncomfortable muscles right now. And I apologize. I'm getting over some allergies, so my, my voice is going. Give me a second. All right. So to ask for help efficiently, it's crucial to be very specific about what it is that you need without apologizing. So, so often I see people saying, I'm so sorry to ask this of you, but can you please do X, Y, or Z, and then I'll do this in return? And this is not the right way to get help because it comes off as salesy and greedy and people can read right through it. According to Psychology Today, if you want to get effective help, then you have to clearly communicate what it is that you need without being apologetic about it. That may seem like a lot when you're asking someone for money or a handout to help with childcare or even take on something else. But think about all of the times that you've helped someone. Wasn't it arguably worth it because of that satisfaction that you got that you could help someone? And weren't you just flattered that they picked you to ask? That says a lot about your character. So take it as a compliment. When asking for help, 
do the same thing. Think of help as a compliment. Think of it as you're going to ask someone for their expert opinion, their expert service or task, because you value them. You value their support. So make that known to them. Instead of saying, hey, Susie, can you help me do this thing? Say, hey, Susie, I admire how well you do this thing, and I would love your advice on how to accomplish it. You've now complimented them, you've leveraged their attention, and you've clearly communicated your needs without sounding like, hey, you're the go-to, I need your stuff, and you have a ton of money, I would love your help, there's nothing for you in return, just give me a couple bucks. Asking for help is not a weakness. Asking for help is a strength. It means that you have the confidence in yourself to be able to identify areas that you can improve and how to seek expert advice on how to achieve whatever it is that you want. It means that you are humble enough to put your fears, your ego, and your anxiety aside to just put it out there and allow others in to help you. And I know that when I help people, I get a high from doing it. So I want to continue to help people. Does that make me selfish? Maybe. But most importantly, it creates a giving ripple effect that I believe can only continue based on the start of a single action. I want to start the ripple. I want to be the person that says, you know what? I'm going to be there for people and be an active listener and be present because I want people to feel like they can come to me for anything. And I would love to be able to receive that help in return. So with that, I want to doc excuse me, I want to jump over to Dr. Sean Shapiro, who is going to talk about some more health benefits of asking for help and what it can do to propel you closer to your goals and your dreams. Sean, are you here? I am, and I got to follow that, which really is not my favorite thing in the world to do because that was just <laughs> awesome, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, so well prepared all the time. So amazing. Thank you so much for asking me for help with this. I'm, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Um, so I think what we talk about almost every time we're not talking about Instagram or Pinterest or Clubhouse or any kind of social media app on Clubhouse is mindset. And mindset is always about finding a way to get back to gratitude. I know that um, David Spizak did his masterclass on uh, the universal law of happiness the other night. And I thought, great. I, I, thought, I thought about that a lot. I think a lot whenever David speaks. Um, I think uh, I've heard Glenn say a million things about gratitude being grateful for part of the morning five, which is his ebook. You should get it. Uh, just go to his, go to his bio and he'll give you one for free. Um, part of the morning five is gratitude and gratitude is absolutely the best way to release serotonin in the body. And I'm going to take it a little sideways for you right now and, and go a little nerd nerdy on you. Um, a lot of people in the room know what I'm talking about, but serotonin is really the feel good, feel good neurotransmitter, right? It's what, moves your body into gratitude. It's, it's a transactional thing where when you do something that creates serotonin, like ask for help because you release, like give help because you can pour into somebody else and make, make the world a better place, you develop something, you develop yourself and you go into, instead of you know regular stress, you stress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. -S. And that's the best type of stress to be in because that's the type of stress you feel when you're in church, when you look at a puppy, when you hold your child, those are the types of stresses that we want in this world. And when we, when we do those types of stresses, when we ask for help, we release so much of the thing that is holding us back. And I'll give you a perfect example to be completely tra transparent as I've told this story before. Marcus Black, uh, when I was struggling, 
understanding how rooms worked and when I was supposed to speak and stuff like that, and I was ready to quit. Marcus Black uh, talked to me through Instagram. He said, no, 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 you're under misunderstanding. So I reached out to Marcus for help, and immediately, even though Marcus told me everything that I pretty much already knew was what was going to be true, I immediately felt better because I had released that into the universe. I had let him help me shoulder the burden for a little bit, and my physiology changed, my breathing changed, my happiness level changed, and immediately I went back, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill this app. I'm going to kill this app. Still working on that. But what I'm saying to you now is that the health benefits outweigh of, of gratitude from either giving or receiving help are the most powerful health benefits you can find. Because not only does serotonin help you with your mood, it helps you with digestion, it helps you with your with your sex game at home, it helps you with just about everything. You can find about 25 uses for serotonin in the body that are all positive things. And that said, why wouldn't you want more than that? I was talking to Lauren about this last night, and I said, you know, I have a lot of patients that come in, and they, they're here because somebody made them come here, but they never really ask for help. And it's really important to get people to realize that they do need help. And one of the metaphors I use when I talk to them is said, a fish doesn't know how wet it is until it jumps out of the fishbowl and it's, land, it's landed on the counter and it can't breathe, right? So you don't know what you're surrounded with. You don't know how you're suffocating. You don't know what's holding you back, i.e. the glass bowl where you can see outside but you can't get there. Those things all decrease our serotonin levels. They decrease our ability for joy. And they de decrease our ability to thrive as an organism. So it's not until the fish develops lungs that we, have, that, that we can help the fish. But the humans, we can just wake them up to the fact that they are the fish in the bowl and that, that, that they really don't know. And being the fish in the bowl, we don't want them to evolve into the frog either, right? The frog that gets boiled. I don't know if you've heard this story before. Flash your bike if you're still here. And you've heard the boiled frog story. But the boiled frog story is this. You basically put, put a frog in a pot, and you turn the heat up incrementally. And, you, and it turns up, and it turns up, and it turns up, and it turns up, and it turns up. And the frog doesn't move because the water's warm, and it feels good. And just as the water is about to boil, the frog decides, okay, it's time to jump. But it's too late because the frog is boiled. So don't be the boiled frog. Your inability to ask for help, to humble yourself, to release that burden, to let others help you carry it because you being stronger will then help you help somebody else later will make all the difference in your world sometimes. It wasn't until that moment where I really, uh, where, I, where, I told, where I gave Marcus my negative energy and he transformed it for me that I realized the power of this application that we're all on right now. And it wasn't until that moment that I started feeling really good about my clubhouse experience. And, uh, nope, uh, sorry, Lauren, Lauren, I'm going to plug it, but Lauren and I and Laura Wild, we have a room we call the Four Agreements of Clubhouse tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Feel free to join us. It's about dealing with the, uh, the, somewhat, the, the, somewhat un the somewhat crazy hallways of clubhouse and stuff like that. But if you need help with this and if you need to understand more, feel free to DM me. Everybody does. I have no problem. I'll respond as quickly as I can. But um, I think that answers your question, Lauren. I'm really not sure what I said the whole time. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. 
Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. <laughs> Don't worry. You said some amazing stuff in there. I do the same thing. Sometimes I just let the words come out and there's nothing actually happening. Don't worry, something happened. You resonated with someone. The, the long and the short of it is, guys, get really good at asking for help because if you don't, there's no, there, there isn't an alternative. That plan has now died. You don't have a plan anymore if you can't ask for help. But with that, I want to do something that's a little bit different from what we usually do. And Glenn, do I know you've done this before, and I actually wasn't there in the room or the time where you did this. But I want to give people an opportunity to actually ask for help. Because I think if, if we can stand up here and talk all day and talk about the importance of asking for help. But we have some incredible talent in this room right now, including people in the audience, including people in the garden. Um, again, this is a breakfast table. This is not a stage in an audience. We are all one. Some of us have mics right now and some of us don't, but we all have the ability to connect outside of this app. And so I want to give people the opportunity now, if they, if they want to, to ask for help, to start flexing those muscles, to start get that serotonin going. Because guys, this room is filled with talented, amazing people who have mastered the art of asking for help, but also want to help you. Most people on this stage right now want to help you. They're not doing this for themselves. They're doing it for you. We are talking for you. This, our voice is not for us. It's for you. So I want to give people an opportunity to ask a question, to get some help, to reach out to the people on this stage that resonate with you. Because I think so often we get to talk and then the room ends and then everybody's like, oh, shoot, I didn't get to DM that person or I didn't get to do this or I wanted to meet up with that person and I didn't. So with that, I'll leave it with the stage. We have a beautifully packed stage. I see so many of our friends here. Uh, if you want to ask anyone for help on this stage, this is how we want to do it. Make it very succinct so that we can have as many people asking and giving help as possible. And even if you just say something like, you know, if you're the person that's giving the help and it takes longer than a, than a 30 second answer, say, I will DM you offline and we can chat about that. If you're somebody that's going to ask for help, please only ask your question. That way we can have as many people getting into the ripple effect, getting that serotonin going. And so we can get people to get where they want to be. So with that, is there anybody on stage that wants to be the first person to ask for help and say, I need help with this. I would like to ask this person this. I'll go ahead and open the floor. The mic is all yours. This is Tony Mo here. Um, what is the fine line between asking for help and not being um, a I victim? Guess, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Um, what do you mean by victim? Well, asking for help in a way that, that you're stuck, but not asking for help in a way that you're not willing to do the work or you feel like you can't do the work to get get your problem solved well yeah but i i think for me i just have a hard time like i'm i like to meet people and know that person and get a feel for that person before asking them anything like hey tony 
I think this is a great um, example. So what I would do, if there's something that you need help with, put it in the universe. If you want to speak up and just say, I need help with this. Is there anyone that can help me? And I guarantee you this beautiful stage of people know someone, knows something or a resource that they can connect you with to get you where you want to be. Um, and so it, it's not necessarily, I'm going to ask Lauren, can she help me with this? Cause I don't know her that well, or I'm going to ask Sean this, but I don't know him that well. It's, I need help with this. Who can help me? That's all we're trying to do. I want to give people an opportunity to get their answers and to get clarity and to get you know, that serotonin going, get people the, give people the opportunity to help, but then also to receive that help. So I hope that helps to clarify what I was trying to do here. Thank you. Yes, you guys have been very, have dropped a lot of knowledge. Thank you. Sure. No problem. I think the best thing about asking help from people that you don't know, Tony, is that they can only say yes or no. And you won't even feel entitled to be embarrassed if they say no or feel some type of way because you guys don't know each other. So it's literally like a win-win situation because if they do say yes, then, you know, you get the help. But if they say no, then you don't lose anything because you didn't know them in the first place. Hi, Lauren. This is Gina, Gina Keys. Uh, I absolutely loved, loved everything that you said. Um today and it resonated with me. I am an arts education programmer. I have a dream to expand my productions across the country to schools everywhere. Um, I write and produce uh, history-based uh, musicals and plays and we have been doing really well in New York and New Jersey um, producing these plays, but the goal is to educate uh, young people across the country, and that is my dream. So my question is, is there anyone on the platform that is in a position or knows someone that could help me with this dream uh, to take these productions across the country to help educate, inspire, uh, and elevate young people about history? I'm Gina. I'm done speaking. That's great, Gina. Thank you. Who else? Who else would like to ask the universe for help? Is there anybody else? I would. This is Chris. Go, Ray. Chris. Good morning, champions. So grateful to be here. Amazing stuff. I would like to ask if there's someone who could help me to sell 333 or more of my e-workbook because I have a goal to make 10K in 10 days, which I've never done before. So there's someone who could help me to do that. I would really appreciate it. I love it, Chris. Awesome. Great. Great job. Who's next? Was that Renee next, I heard? Yes. Good, good morning. Um, so um, I am an HIV advocate. I have special needs kids as well. They were born preemies. Um, right now, I have two books that I've self-published um, under the HIV category. Um, the links are actually on my Instagram page. Um, right now, I'm pushing. I've been pushing for a couple of years to try and get my son a wheelchair-accessible vehicle. It has been so hard. I've done GoFundMes. I've done Facebook fundraisers. I've done so many things. And right now, I'm just trying to see 
with my books if I can push my books and add just to what I've raised, which is probably about $600. Um, and I'm just trying to get him a wheelchair vehicle. I went through organizations. I went through actual companies that, you know, this is their specialty. Um, of course, I have, you know, uh, my credit is probably the biggest reason why the company itself won't help. But um, if I can get people to buy my books, that just adds to what I've already gotten towards making that happen for my son. Because um, right now I lift his wheelchair in and out, the vehicle that I have, and it's causing issues with my back, which already has issues. So I'm just trying to, you know, make sure that I'm not hurting him or me and trying to just work toward my goal. So I would appreciate that so much. Okay. Can somebody check her book out, see if it interests them and see if we can get that, that van for her, because that sounds important. Excellent. I think I heard Kelsey next. Is that you, Kelsey? Yeah. Sorry. Who was that speaking um, before? That was Renee. She is down with a blue background and a black tank. Renee, if you want to shoot me a DM, um, I would be happy to help you put together a marketing strategy to try to get that book pushed out to more people if you're interested. Absolutely. Thank you, Kelsey. Awesome. 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 Kelsey, do you have an ask? I do. I do have an ask. And this is very weird for me because I never ask anything, but I actually um, did this night. So. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.